Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Listening to Fox Sports Radio. Well, you know, there's an old Chinese proverb that goes like this May you live in interesting times, and boy, we are. Just when you think you've seen it all, you see something new or not. And on that note, I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com studios. Welcome in. Tyrac.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping. Free road hazard protection and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Tonight, we are absolutely loaded. We'll try to get it all in in four hours. In about 15 minutes, we dive right back into the uh, NFL Super Wild Card Weekend with Steve Fezzik. ton of stuff to get to. We're going to cover it all, play all the hits, including Brand New Fool and What My Name and uh, and by the way, it, it seems like it, after watching what happened tonight, you know, with the Chargers, everybody wants to talk about it because we were entertained. I, I, I don't act like you weren't entertained by what happened tonight because sports is entertainment, but it is more than that. It's a shared experience. You know, people want to talk about it. You've come to the right place. We have got a lot to talk about tonight. And so once again, welcome into the Bernie Frato Show. We'll take you all the way to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern as they say in Fran Tarkenton, Hermantown, Minnesota, it is going to be lit. Today, it's almost fitting, after watching what happened on the Chargers, because we are a little later in the show, I'm going to give you a tribute and reflect back. 50 years ago today, the Miami Dolphins beat the Washington Redskins 14-7 to in Super Bowl seven to close the deal and become the only team, 17-0-0, undefeated, untied, for the entire regular season and the postseason. Of course, uh, the the Pats came close, but they didn't do it, right? 50 years ago today. Now, you juxtapose that. And, and again, when I tell the backstory about the Chargers, or check that, about the the Dolphins, you're going to hear about some close calls they had. And by the way, Don Shula, he was human. He actually, remember, he was a losing coach to Joe Namath in Super Bowl three as a 17-point favorite. Also lost in Super Bowl six to Dallas uh, while coaching the Dolphins. So the first six Super Bowls, Don Shula not only lost two, he lost two with two different teams, but he came back 
and obviously did what he did, greatest winning as coach of all time. We're going to talk about the culture he developed and the stories. And are the Dolphins the greatest, you know, team of all time? Well, you know, there are objective truths and there are personal feelings. I'll give some data that will cause you to to really think about it because there's stories people really don't know about. Back to the San Diego. Yeah, maybe they should be maybe they should go back to San Diego. Nice Freudian slip by me. You'd all thought you'd seen the best of Chargering, which is now come on, it's a thing. Nope. Again, you think you've seen it all, you see something new. What the Chargers did Saturday night is just another one in a series of weird losses, man. You cannot lead twenty seven and nothing after forcing Four interceptions in the first half and lose. Forcing five turnovers and lose. But the Chargers continue to be a franchise that finds ways to shock you, even if you're a fan or you're not a fan. The Jags have come all the way back from one of the worst starts in any NFL game, much less a playoff game you'll ever see. Give it up to Trevor Lawrence. They shake it off. Give it up to Doug Peterson. He keeps the team focused. On a great call, the Jags didn't sneak it on fourth and inches, but they give it to Travis Etienne. He takes it 25 yards. That sets up a field goal attempt. Riley Patterson nails it and shock and awe. 31-30, the Jags advance out of the wild card round. Now, it's only the third biggest comeback in NFL history, but the biggest comeback win in Jags history and the biggest blown lead in Chargers history. And in the first half of the Chargers were cruising, you couldn't imagine this would happen, but it did happen, and you can't tell me you weren't surprised. Even though the Chargers had a dream first quarter, couldn't have started better. Trevor Lawrence's first career playoff pass tipped at the line, tipped again, picked off by Drew Tranquil. Chargers take over deep in Jags territory. Austin Eckler scores on the second offensive play. It's 7 nothing, and the seats aren't even warm. Jags second drive, they go for it on fourth and seven. Instead of trying a 51-yard field goal, Trevor Lawrence is picked off again. 10 nothing, 27 nothing, But then... It happened. The Jaguars have a huge rally. They get back in the game. They score near the end of the second quarter. And again, early in the third quarter, all of a sudden, it's 27-14. And Charger fans, I know, you feel like you got a lit firecracker up your tuchus and the fuse is halfway down. You feel it coming. You can't. You, there's nothing you can do. You know it's coming. And, yeah, it came. The Jaguars are moving on in the playoffs. The Chargers as an organization will knock you over this loss anytime soon. And, you know, uh, Aaron and uh, and, and uh, Jason Martin, they do a great job. They typically don't take calls. They took some tonight, and, and you can hear the angst of people who ha- observe the unthinkable. There's an old saying, you know, success has a thousand fathers, but failure is an orphan. What do I mean by that? There's a lot of blame to go around tonight. It's not just on Brandon Staley. It's not just partly on Justin Herbert, the defense, the specials, whatever you want to call it. It was a team effort. But clearly, and I've thought this for a while, Brandon Staley is presiding over a dysfunctional culture that he created. The weirdness, that kind of weirdness results in what is almost expected as an outcome tonight. So I never call for people's jobs. I've never done it in 27 years on the radio, and I'm not going to do it tonight. But if someone asks my opinion, do I think Brandon Staley is a time to go? Yes, I do. Um, There is a role for him somewhere in this league. He is the smartest guy in the room. Just ask him. But it's pretty clear that you're never going to win a Super Bowl, at least in my humble opinion, 
as the field general for the Los Angeles Chargers. So the question is, and, you know, Twitter is, is you know, obviously going bananas. Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Sean Payton, Sean Payton. Wait, why not? Except here's why not. Do you really think Dean Spanos will pony up and pay Sean Payton what he may end up commanding? When in the Spanos era as owners of the Chargers franchise, have they ever paid big money for a coach? We're hearing, by the way, that Peyton could command $20 million. And who knows, the Walton family in Denver might give it to him. And let's not forget, Sean Peyton is still the property of the New Orleans Saints. They're putting a high price tag on the former coach. And uh, if he were to take another job in the NFL, it's pretty clear to me that uh, that the Saints are going to probably command at least one first-round draft pick, maybe a couple other draft picks. And if they don't get first-round picks, it's going to be a series of draft assets because everybody saw what happened 20 years ago. The Oakland Raiders, when they parted with John Gruden, or you know, they got two first-round picks, two second-rounders, and $8 million from Tampa Bay in return for Coach Gruden. Now, well, that, that's a little crazy. Do I think Sean Payton will, will command that? No, I don't, but he's going to... He's going to get a lot. So if you really think he's coming to the Chargers, you tell me. Since the Chargers fired Marty Schottenheimer back in 2006 after going 14-2 and because he pissed off the organization because he wanted to hire his brother, Kurt. Since then, they've hired they. I don't mean to be the master of the pronoun here. The Chargers have hired Norv Turner, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, and now the aforementioned Brandon Staley. And even before Marty Schottenheimer joined the team. They had the legends Kevin Gilbride, June Jones, Mike Riley. So if you really think Sean Payton is coming to the Chargers and the Spanos family, Dean Spanos, is going to write him a big check and they're going to give New Orleans the compensation that they will command, you know more than I do. But this is a team loaded with talent, as were the 72 Dolphins. And as I tell the story later in the show, they had three extremely close calls. But because of the culture that Don Shula created with that organization, unreal. Wait till you hear the stories. And Don Shula was human. Okay? There's a story about Don Shula. I got this story in my book, View from the Cheap Seats. There's a story about Don Shula one summer in the mid-'70s. This has already had success. He was vacationing in northern Maine with his wife and five children. And they walked into a movie theater to catch a matinee. Don Shula loved to watch movies. And the minute he walked into the movie theater, there were three people sitting in the front row. They all turned around, stood up, and started to clap and cheer a little bit. And Don Shula's wife looked at him and says, Well, look at that, Don. No matter where you're at, no matter where we're at, everybody knows who you are. You're famous. You have fans everywhere, even here in the middle of northern Maine. And one of the guys in the front row says, Lady... We have no idea who the hell your husband is. All we know is, is this movie theater won't start the movie until there's at least 10 people present in the movie theater. Don Shula was human. But what he did with an organization that was struggling mightily before he got there, and this is a guy that not only lost one but two Super Bowls with two different organizations, you're going to hear what he did. This is what the Chargers need. Someone who can build a legitimate culture so the talent that they have on the field can truly blossom. Because if you're good enough, 
to stake yourself to a 27-0 lead at halftime over a pretty good team in a tough environment on the road who've been playing extremely well. You're good enough to do better than you have. But when you've got a coach that doubles down on stupid decisions, like playing one of your best wide receivers, Mike Williams, when there's nothing to be gained, and then we find out he's basically got a broken back, not a strain, so he wouldn't have been available for the playoffs at all. Couple that with last year and all the genius decisions he made because we realize how smart the analytics people are. And I'm not bashing analytics. I get it. Analytics have a place. But I've always said they are not an inflexible anchor. They're a guideline. The game is played by human beings. And this is where the disconnect with Brandon Staley is. That will conclude, at least for now, the Brandon Staley bashing. Charger fans, I realize you'll be sitting in shiva the next seven days knowing you should be still alive and you know why you're not. Coming up, Steve Fezzik and the Fezzik Five. We're going to chop it up, get your pens and pencils ready. You're going to be drinking through a fire hose as we continue on with NFL Super Wild Card Week. And, hey, football fans, be sure to turn into Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning. Three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the TireAct.com studios here in Las Vegas of Fox Sports Radio. So keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. Hi, this is Jay Glazer, and you may know me from the world of football or fighting or even shows like HBO's Ballers. What you don't know is for my entire life, I have lived in something I refer to as the gray. Depression, anxiety. So now I'm coming out with a new podcast, Unbreakable, a mental health podcast with Jay Glazer, where each week, while we talk about mental health, I hope to describe it. Give it words. Listen to Unbreakable with Jay Glazer on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare fox sports radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com 
And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. We are back on the Bernie Frato Show. Coming to you live from the Tyrac.com's studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. This time every week, we bring you the gentleman, the only two-time winner of the Hilton, now prestigious, Westgate Super Contest. You better get your pens and pencils ready because you're going to be drinking from a fire hose. We'll have a ton of stuff from what happened tonight. And as we look ahead to the Sunday version of NFL Super Wildcard Week, it is time for Steve Fezzik and the Fezzik Five. All right, we are efforting Steve Fezzik and the Fezzik Five. need to hear about now with the only back-to-back Hilton Super Contest winner, Steve Fezzik. Here's Bernie Fratto. Brandon is efforting Steve Fezzik as we speak. Brandon, let me know when you have Steve Fezzik. Two games in the books today. I will tell you this, both games flew over. And the wild card trend of dogs and underdogs, 16 and 7 the last five years. It's now 1 and 7 the last two years. And the bottom line is, you just pick the winners, and I'll tell you why. Because the outright winner, this point spread has not come into play 89% of the time. Neither did it either time today. Fez, welcome in. How are you, buddy? I am good. You know what? I'm not a big fan of this. All you got to do is pick the winner in wild card. And the reason being is normally these spreads are so low, it would take a minor miracle for it to land on the one or two that it would be necessary to land on the number. But with the bigger spreads, I don't think it applies anymore, Bernie. Well, the numbers don't lie. It's 56-7-1 and one in the last 65 games. And today you had a dog that won outright and a favorite that hung the number, but it's a conversation for a different day. Fez, uh, I always uh, appreciate the fact that you think you you take things to a different level. And let's start with a play that may or may not be talked about in the Jacksonville Chargers game. They went for it down four. They went for two. Your thoughts on that? Yeah, well, frankly, it was a no-brainer because there was a penalty, so they were on the one-yard line. And you make it about 60% of the time. And the best way I can uh, convince all or try to that it was the right play, by the way, I, for years I've been saying that when you're down 14 to score a touchdown, you need to go for two. I won't go through all the, the math machinations, but the whole league agrees with me. And so now pretty much every team does go for two. The key is you need to know what you need in order to win. And the problem with just um, kicking the extra point is that now you're down three. So what happens when you have fourth and one in the red zone late in the game? Mm-hmm. Well, you don't know if the field goal is going to win for you or not. So you have to make a decision with incomplete and imperfect information. I would rather take the risk earlier in the game, and now if I'm down four, I know I need a touchdown. If I get the two-point conversion, then I'm down two, and I know a field goal wins the game. And so ultimately, I, I strongly feel it was the right decision. And another way I can prove that, I think, is that if you bet San Diego, San Diego, if you bet the Chargers on the money line, you're like, please don't go for two. Please don't go for two. Oh, God. You know, because you're, now you're much more vulnerable to losing the game. Let me ask you a question. Not that we get too deep down this rabbit hole tonight about this subject matter, but there's one of those plays where it's like Pete Carroll and Russell Wilson back in Super Bowl 58 throwing the slant pass. If it works, you're a genius. If it doesn't, you're the village idiot. So if you don't make it, an extra point's probably a 93% probability. The extra point, going for two, 60%. What would our conversation be tonight if he had not 
made the two-point conversion, would you still be defending it? Oh, of course. I mean, the 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 results are independent of the of the analysis. But 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 again, the fact he didn't go for it from the two, where we could have a we we could really have a neat debate and go back and forth. When you're on the one yard line, you make it sixty percent of the time. I mean, it's just yeah. it, it's just pure expectation. It, it really it's at a point where it's it's kind of an egregious mistake at that point not to go for the two. Boy, I I, I you know again I'm breaking my own rule here. Yeah, you know what you need to do. I. How much time was left in the game when that play happened? You know, I don't have the exact number. It wasn't much. So now you know you need two scores. If you don't, it's a risk reward, and it depends on the culture, okay? If you're the Raiders, you shouldn't do it. If you're Doug Peterson, I'm cool with that. You saw Michigan try the Philly special, look like a drunk crossing an icy street. You saw Doug Peterson do it, he knows what he's doing. So I will defer to you tonight on this, Fez, but I would just say this that. If he hadn't made it, yeah, you know what you need to do. Now you need two scores. You need to score, get the ball back, stop them, and score again where you only would have needed one score. But be that as it may, it ended up working out. I don't want to beat a dead horse, which I just did. Fez, uh, you like Cincinnati in a teaser, and I'm already with you on that as part of the second leg. I had him with the Niners today. Your thoughts? Yeah, so I teased the Niners, I teased Jacksonville. So far, so good. I've got the Bengals teased all over the place. Wong teaser, what's not the like, eight and a half down to two and a half. If you want to protect it a little bit with some Baltimore plus nine, that's fine also. Um, but if you haven't played any teasers yet, you're like, well, Fez, you left me hanging. What do I tease Cincinnati with? And it is a difficult question because there are there is no absolutely pure Wong teaser, but you're pretty close to the money if you go ahead and choose to, to use Tampa Bay or use the Giants because those, I think both those lines are going to close at two and a half tomorrow. Um, so I'm okay with putting those in as long as they're paired with Cincinnati, which I really love as a teaser. Oh, I do too. Especially with, I don't even know if, uh, if Tyler's going to play, Tyler Hunt. Or, or, anyway, the bottom line is this. I'm with you on the Cincinnati leg, uh, and we're going to get heavily after Kevin's update into our lightning round and, and the three games that remain tomorrow and then, and then Monday night. Uh, Fez, last night I went into pretty good detail about the new overtime rules in the National Football League. I'd like to get you to weigh in on that from a handicapper's perspective. I believe you can look for teams, if they go to overtime, almost most certainly to defer now. Yeah, this is going to be fascinating because I think they're going to take the ball. And there is a case to be made for both. Now, a lot of times I'm emphatic, you've got to do this, Bernie. That This is not the case in terms of the overtime. The reason I would take the ball, I get it. You're letting the other team go second, and then they know what they need. I just That's talked right. about how it's, it's so beneficial. What do I do if I, get the, if I drive and I got fourth and one for my opponent's 25? I don't know what to do. I don't know if a field goal is good enough. I know if I don't get the field goal, I'm really up against it. But here's why I like getting the ball first. It's like an NBA play. I like the two for one. If we go punt, punt, now I get the next possession. If we go field goal, field goal, I get the next possession. Now I get it. If I score a touchdown, I have to kick the extra point. Well, I'm, without going into all the, the reasons why, I need to kick the extra point. My opponent then, if they score a touchdown, they actually have to go for it. Now, the rules don't say they have to, but anyone with a brain will figure it out that they have to go for it because they're at a big disadvantage if they kick off with the game tied. So I'm okay with that. If, you know, if, if the game gets decided with my opponent trying a two-point conversion, it's a pretty much a 50-50 play, and I love that two-for-one if the possessions start punt-punt or field goal-field goal. Field goal. It'll be interesting to see how it plays out over time. 
Uh, you may well be right. I'm of the opinion teams are going to defer, just like you said, they'll they'll know what they need to do. I like the fact, I like these overtime periods and the fact you somewhat remove the sudden death factor of this whole thing because there's always a likely possibility of a second overtime period. And if a team kicks off, Fez, and they, they, uh, they allow a touchdown, but there's an eight, nine-minute drive, and then they're in the middle of their drive, and their drive isn't terminated yet, they're going to continue with a second playoff period. How do you feel about that, the fact that some of these games could go really long? Yeah, oh, I, I, I love more football. It's going to train wreck and under. It will happen, Bernie. It'll be 14-14, and the final score will be 27-21, and someone is going to be furious you know, about this. So I don't like that aspect of it, but the bottom line is, any overtime format where the team that gets the ball has an unfair, clear advantage is just wrong. And now the mere fact that we're debating whether it's better to have the ball or not have the ball means any advantage that's to be gleaned is so minimal that it's a much better system. We will continue with Fez, and we'll get into Dallas, Tampa Bay, Buffalo, Miami, Giants, Minnesota, and of course, Cincinnati and Baltimore. A lot to unpack in those games. But first, let's go to our guy, Kevin Wired, with the latest. NFL playoff action on Saturday night. Man, it was a tale of two halves in that Chargers Jaguars game. LA was up 27 0 over Jacksonville and 27 7 at halftime, but. That's not how the game ended. This is how things would finish in Jacksonville. Patterson's kick is up. The field goal is good! 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 The Jaguars have won it! The Jaguars have won it! They have come back from 27-0 to win the game! That was the Jaguars radio network as Jacksonville beats Los Angeles 31-30 thanks to that 36-yard field goal on the final play. In that first half, the reason why L.A. was ahead was due in large parts to four interceptions by Trevor Lawrence. However, he would finish with four touchdown passes. An incredible comeback by Jacksonville. First game of the day saw the 49ers roll to their 11th straight win, beating Seattle 41-23 as Brock Purdy, another outstanding game. Four total touchdowns, yet 332 yards passing. Christian McCaffrey, also a big performance, 119 rushing yards. NBA action Saturday night, the Memphis Grizzlies win their ninth game in a row, 131-12 at Indiana. Celtics winning their sixth in a row, 122-106 at Charlotte. Jason Tatum with 33 points. College hoops, number two, Kansas edge, number 14, Iowa State, 62-60. And fourth-ranked Alabama trans LSU, 106-66. Kentucky beat number five, Tennessee, 63-56. Number seven, UCLA trailed by nine with about 10 minutes to go, but they came back to beat Colorado, 68-54. Oregon upset number nine, Arizona, 87-68. That game was tied early on in the second half before Oregon would really uh, – pull away in that one. Number number 10, Texas trailed by 10 points at halftime, but came back to beat Texas Tech 72-70. Number 11, Kansas State lost to number 17, TCU 82-68. 15th ranked Arkansas losing to Vanderbilt 97-84. 16th ranked Miami losing in overtime to NC State 83-81. Number 18, Wisconsin lost to Indiana 63-45. Number 19, Providence losing to Creighton 73-67. 20th ranked Missouri Falls to Florida, 73-64. And number 24, Duke, losing at home at Cameron Indoor Stadium, 72-64. to Back to you, Bernie. Well, thanks, Kevin. All right, we continue on with the Fezzik Five. Fez, let's uh, head to Buffalo, the early game tomorrow to kick things off. 
As Super Wild Card Sunday resumes, the Dolphins catching 13.5 against the Bills. Skylar Thompson against the Jets in Week 18. He's the starting quarterback for your Dolphins. He won 17-25 against his own coverage. He's a tough kid, tough-minded kid from Kansas State. Can you make a case for Miami here at all? Well, I guess the case you could make is that early in the week the line was 11 and then it was 9 and now it's 14. And can Skylar Thompson really be five points worse than a Tua uh, that was compromised and injured? I guess maybe if he's injured, and there's talk that he is injured, there is a trend here, Bernie, where if he did nothing in the wild card round but play the team that played the much harder schedule than the right. opponents, That's right. you do really well. Now, two teams qualify. Miami qualifies and Tampa, Tampa Bay, qualifies. Right? Very good. So because of that, I could not, at the closing numbers, go. It's fine if you play Buffalo, obviously, minus nine, or laid, them, laid the, uh, to the teaser minus nine. But um, at the current numbers, I'd have to lean to Miami just because of that trend. Now, I, I'm glad you brought that up. I talked about that last night. Clearly, Miami did have the tougher schedule. But don't you have to factor in the fact that Tua is not playing and you're down to Skylar Thompson? Doesn't that kibosh that trend a bit? It makes me concerned about it, but the quote from Fast Times at Ridgemont High, <laughs> okay, Arnold, you got 25 to win five, but don't forget, or you're at five to win 25, don't forget about the 14-point spread. Well, it reminds me of the boxer in police squad when he looks at his manager and says, don't you think I could beat the champ? I could beat the champ blindfolded. And his manager says, well, what if the champ wasn't blindfolded? And off we <laughs> continue with Fez and the Fezic Five. All right, the game I'm looking forward to the most we may end up disagreeing on this game. The Giants. Now, Fez, three weeks ago, the Giants were catching four and a half here. Now, if you like the Vikings, you only got to lay three. What changed in the last three weeks, and who do you like in this game? What changed is when these two teams played each other, anyone who was paying attention, uh, having their pizza, learning about Cuba yeah. and the Minnesota Vikings, Thanks, Mr. realized that the Vikings are no good. And the Vikings, uh, the Giants put up all kinds of yardage, and somehow the Vikings stole the game, but the Giants won the game statistically, even though they did trail by eight late. And so the betters have corrected and they've moved that four-point spread down to three. You know, I think this is going to two and a half, Bernie. So yeah. if you do like the Giants, let's bet the plus three right now. If you like the Vikings, wait till tomorrow. That three is so key and lay the two and a half. Well, okay, I can't lie. I already laid the three earlier in the week and I, and, uh, and I don't think the number's going to come into play. I do like the Vikings, but let's have you grade a couple things. Fez, we always look for strength versus weaknesses. The Giants, defending tight ends, rank 32nd in the league DVOA. The Vikings have a guy named Hawkinson who caught 10 balls last time. I think they're going to try to put Justin Jefferson in a vice that opens the door for him. Secondly, Fez, rookie quarterback, well, Daniel Jones is not a rookie. Check that. Quarterbacks playing in their first ever playoff game against a quarterback who has playoff experience, and I guess I get it that Cousins is one and two. Those quarterbacks making their maiden voyage are 28% against the number. Do either one of those stats cause you to pause when it comes to taking the Giants? Uh, a little bit because of, I need good quarterback play because I'm, my, my bet is on the Giants' offense. I don't think the Giants are going to have good much luck stopping the Vikings and Justin Jefferson. I just think they're going to outscore them. So, of course, I, I'm going to need a good game from Daniel Jones, and I am a little – that is the dicey part of the handicap, yes. Believe it or not, in the last eight weeks, the Vikings' rush defense is number two. They haven't had a rusher for more than 90 yards. I think they stack the box and make it difficult 
on Saquon Barkley. We shall see. This is another one of those games we're always on opposite sides once in a while. I think it makes for fun. I, I have uh, the Vikings. We shall see. Let's go to Sunday night. Baltimore at Cincinnati. This is an interesting game. It's a runaway line. What do you show the current line? Current line is eight and a half to nine. I laid seven myself. I teased the Bengals. It's still a good teaser, but it's getting expensive. And I got to tell you, Bernie, like people are like, well, who do you like at eight and a half? Would you bet the Bengals minus eight and a half? I don't think I bet a minus eight and a half in 20 years. All right. The bottom line is Fez likes the uh, Giants. He wants to get three. Uh, I like the uh, Vikings. Fez does like the Bengals in a teaser. We go to Monday night. My official pick on this game is uh, the Cowboys. You know, check that. I, I like the Buccaneers. Uh, Mike McCarthy and playoff choke jobs go together like peanut butter and jelly. Forget Dak Prescott. You know how I feel about him. He does great when it doesn't matter. This matters. And by the way, the Cowboys defense has not exactly been stellar in recent weeks. They've been all, uh, they've, they've allowed almost 28 points a game over the final five weeks of the regular season. The Eagles, with Gardner Minshew, dropped 34 points on Dallas. All right, Fez, let's uh, flip to Monday night real quickly with the time we have left. Uh, let's talk about Tampa Bay-Dallas. I don't like, I love Tampa Bay, not just because Dak Prescott always, you know, he's good when it doesn't matter, but Fez, look at this Cowboys defense. They're allowing almost 28 points in final five weeks of the season. Gardner Minshew dropped 34 on them. Josh Dobbs moved the ball. Sam Howell moved the ball. And, uh, uh, you know, Tom Brady has 35 playoff wins since 2001 the entire Cowboys organization has a total of three in that time period I don't mean to be so long-winded I like the Tampa Bay Bucks. I concur we teased Tampa from two and a half up to eight and a half if by some miracle the dummies bet Dallas minus two and a half apologies to the dummies I will be more than happy to take Tampa Bay plus three which I already bet it open and has disappeared uh strength of scheduling Tampa Bay has much has had a much harder strength to schedule Dallas played the best football earlier in the year I'm not sure who's going to win and it should be close to pick them I like Tampa Fez, before we uh, shut it down tonight, and uh, your segment is extremely popular, one of the most popular on the entire network, uh, one of the things you drop is, you know, top-down knowledge uh, that people can can certainly, uh, you know, always benefit from. And I want you to weigh in on one, you know, piece of subject matter that I think is near and dear to a lot of betters' hearts, and that's futures betting. And from what I'm gathering, you don't think the value is there. Oh, this is the time of year. It's an epidemic where people talk about the great value on all these teams. And it, it, they're either, there's a line in the movie Casino. You're either in on it or you're incompetent. Either way, you're fired uh, after three jackpots got hit in the movie Casino. Um, and my point here is that like, people are like, oh, the Chargers are 25 to 1. They have such great value. If you do the math, and the only way to do the math is to break it down with probabilities, like the Chargers' true odds, if you just bet a mechanical parlay burn, yes, yes. they were like 2%. And that was being wildly optimistic with your power rating on the Chargers. So, you, so if you got paid 50 to 1, it was inadequate. You really should have been paid like 60 to 1, and you're getting 23 to 1. You're getting paid 40 cents on the dollar. And this happens every year in the NCAA tournament. People like, they, they say the 60 to, 60 to 1, I can't can't believe what a great bet it is. They should be 280 to one. It is just it is just mind-boggling.
juggling. Mr. Hand in the movie Fast Times at Ridgemont High is everyone on dope? Can no one do the probability calculations? It's crazy. <laughs> of course, played by the late, great Ray Walston. Who can forget the scene with Sean Penn Spagoli? Who ordered a pizza? Right here, dude. Fez, I'm glad you invoked the term mechanical parlay. I want to give you credit. I'm almost certain you coined that term. And before we shut it down, explain to the folks what that means. Because, for instance, let's say you like the Dallas Cowboys to win the Super Bowl. And, of course, if you do, you're first in line for a front lobotomy. But be that as it may, I think you can get the Cowboys at 14-1 to 1 right now. But rather than top that 14-1, to 1, explain to the folks how on the money line you would play a mechanical parlay. Right. So each and every week, what you do is you just uh, you invest your hundred dollars that you were going to bet at some crazy um, inadequate number. And this week you would lay minus one thirty seven, which is the best number at Circa and invest your hundred dollars. You'd cash it. Then you take your one hundred and seventy four dollars or whatever it is and invest it next round when there'll be an underdog and put that on the mechanical parlay and just keep going four straight weeks. Four straight tasty waves. That's all we need, Bernie, to get all the way through the Super Bowl and get a payout far superior than uh, what we would have gotten if we would have just put down our money now on Dallas to win the Super Bowl. And there you have it, the master class, including fast times at Ridgemont High, police squat, and a plethora of sophisticated humor. He is Steve Fezzik in the Fezzik Five. Fez, have a great day on Sunday. So what Jefferson was saying is we just got to get our own cool rules and break away from this England. Thank you, Bernie. Nicely done. Of course, Jefferson played by the great Forrest Whitaker, the linebacker for for Ridgemont High, who actually was a linebacker in high school. So you get useless trivia on the show as well. I'm an encyclopedia of sometimes useless information. Coming up, which famous college football player and Heisman finalist might not declare for the draft. He's got till Monday. We'll explain who, what, when, why, and where. Coming up, I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. That's the Department of Redundancy Department. Keep it locked. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. Hey, where are you? And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card. Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment. It's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. All right, we're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. 
just getting started. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. We've got a ton of stuff to get to. I want to reiterate what I said about the Minnesota Vikings in their Sunday game against the Giants. I'm getting some people uh, tweeting at me. Look, I get it, okay? Uh, the Vikings have faced five fellow playoff opponents this season. They were out-yarded in all five games by an average of 160 yards per game. They're also 0-9 against the spread in playoff games. When they're playing a team coming off a loss, I'm throwing all that out the window Sunday. I like the Vikings for a couple of reasons. Number one, I do think their offense is going to have a big day. I think T.J. Hawkinson's going to have a big day. I think the Giants will struggle guarding Justin Jefferson. The Giants are number 32. They rank 32nd in the league DVOA when it comes to defending tight ends. I try to look for strength versus weakness when I'm handicapping a, an NFL game. The Giants will have their hands full with Justin Jefferson. That's going to open the door for T.J. Hawkinson, who had a big game three weeks ago. And by the way, three weeks ago, the Giants were getting four and a half. Now they're only getting three. What really changed? I, I get it. The Vikings got out yarded by 92 yards that day, and it took a 61-yard field goal, and they almost won, and they're really confident. And, yeah, well, here comes the group thick echo chamber. And you want to come at me tomorrow if the Vikings lose? Have at it. That's what people do. I'm here for it. I am sticking to my guns. I like the Vikings on Sunday. Secondly, you've got a quarterback in Daniel Jones who's had a very good year, I think. Not maybe sensational statistically, but he's had a good year in terms of his decision-making thanks to Brian Dable. This is a guy who can play the position. He's smart. He's more athletic than people realize. He can spread the ball. His perimeter passing game has improved immensely, and he knows how to keep plays alive with his feet. Having said that, history tells us that quarterbacks making their debut in the playoffs versus a quarterback who actually has playoff experience. And I realize that Kirk Cousins is one and two in the playoffs, but playoffs making their, try that again in English, quarterbacks making their playoff debut against a quarterback with experience, 28% against the spread. I like the New York I like the Minnesota Vikings on Sunday, and I think they'll cover the three. Okay, we shall see. 29 of the 32 projected first-round NFL draft choices have already declared for the draft, but one gentleman, an outstanding quarterback from The Ohio State University, has not declared yet. Now, why? Now, we've heard uh, uh, the, you know, the, the narrative that he was very unhappy about how his final two games against Michigan ended, not just that they lost, the way that they lost. I think he was unhappy clearly that the Buckeyes had Georgia beat and couldn't close the deal. And he got this little thing called NIL. Oscar Schwebe, the University of Kentucky basketball, he was all set to go to the NFL draft, uh, NBA draft, and he, he returned because he got himself a nice NIL deal. I'm of the belief, and from what I'm hearing, C.J. Stroud, there are discussions, am I predicting this? No, but I think it's on the table, that you could see C.J. Stroud return to uh, the, uh, the, the Ohio State Buckeyes next year if he gets the NIL deal he wants and all other things fall into place. Be that as it may, C.J. Stroud has until Monday to declare, to declare for the NFL draft. And again, a return would include a large NIL package we will see what happens. Uh, offshore odds have Will Levis moving to 10-1 to 1 now to be the number one pick. Coming up, we bring in a New Year's resolution public service. You're going to want to see or hear this. I'm Bernie Fratto. Keep it locked.
Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. That's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. Time to switch gears. We have a lot of men who listen to the show from 25 to 54, all ages, shapes, sizes. January 15th is usually about the time that their New Year's resolution to lose weight goes out the window. Now, why is that? This is our public service coming to you. There's a million people that listen to the show, a lot of them men and women too, but what happens? You, you mean well, but is it lack of knowledge? Is it lack of motivation? Is it lack of guidance? Or all of the above? Let's welcome in a gentleman, the founder of a corporation called Default Kings. His name is Jack Bly, and we're going to address that subject matter head on tonight. Jack, how are you? Welcome to the Bernie Fratto Show. Hey, Bernie, you're doing fantastic. Really appreciate you having me on. I think it's a subject matter worth tackling especially when you consider our audience especially when you consider it's mid-january let's start at the top let's start at thirty thousand feet you have developed a concept as it were talk about let's start with the ideology at thirty-five thousand feet behind what you and your organization do to help men achieve their weight loss goals yeah absolutely so let's uh i'm going to break down a situation that uh, if you're listening to this right now, just let me know if this sounds familiar. Think about this. You lose five pounds and you gain 10 pounds back. You're um, dieting for two weeks straight. Then you eat junk for two months. You're on your game Monday through Thursday. Then Friday comes around off the wagon. All right. Every single time that life happens, whether it's work gets busy, you travel, or holidays come up, you fall off the wagon. This is the yo-yo cycle. This is the exact you know problem that a lot of men that we work with face. And uh, the thing is, like we've thought about this, and you know, you mentioned is it the knowledge? Is it the guidance? Is it the the, the game plan? We found like most guys have the motivation. Like they know, like they need to, they need to do this. Like they they care about their kids, their family. They want to be here for a long time. They have the motivation. They even have, like, the basic set of knowledge, too. They know they need to work out. They know they eat certain foods. They don't do it anyways. All right, so that's kind of where we, you know, build everything based off of this specific problem. And so we look more and more into this, and we come up with, you know, what we call default actions. These are the, the unconscious habits that we have. All right, the things that we do, regardless of whether we want to do it or not. We just do it almost every single day. Um, most basic example is you brush your teeth every morning, every night. At least I hope you do. <laughs> All right. You brush your teeth, the default action. You don't have to think about it. You don't have to be motivated yourself. You don't have to be disciplined. Do it. You just do it. All right. That's where I'm at now with my workouts. Like, I don't have to think about it. I just go to the gym. That's where I'm at now with my nutrition. All right. And that's what we do for, you know, our clients that we serve. That's a basic breakdown of default action and what that means. All right, so essentially what you're implying here is that people can be trained, and this is not foreign to me, but I think for a lot of folks, 
that really try, but they fall short, you're essentially putting forth that in much the same way an autonomic response like getting up in the morning and brushing your teeth or brushing your teeth before you go to bed can be learned. So therefore, when you know you shouldn't reach for the Twinkie, but you do it, and you know you should work out that morning, but you really don't feel like doing it, but you do it anyway, you are telling me these habits can be learned. What is the process? Mm -hmm. Great question. So uh, the process, the, the very first thing that we look at, the very first thing that we do um, inside the program is we look at your self-identity, right? And now, like, a few years ago myself, like, all this, like, mindset, self-identity stuff, I thought it was all woo-woo, you know, I thought it was a bunch of crap, um, but there's so much truth to it. Um, basically, got this got this concept from a book called Psycho-Cybernetics. You're Maxwell Maltz, this, famous book from oh, the 60s. Yes. yes. Yes, so basically, it's this uh, plastic surgeon, and he does, um, like basic example, he does you know plastic surgery on let's say two salesmen. Um, they both like are really insecure because they have a big nose. One of them, he does a surgery, nose looks beautiful, perfect now, but he's still super insecure. He's thinking, ah, these people always look at my nose. That's why I can't close deals. Then the second guy does the same surgery, fixes the nose, and all of a sudden life is you know completely transformed. He's confident. He's a man now. He's closing deals. What happened was a change in self identity. All right, so that's the very first thing that we focus on, all right, because we know that self-identity drives default actions. Um, another example is, uh, let's say, for example, uh, Christians, default actions for them is to, you know, go to church or read the Bible. Um, your self-identity drives your default actions. So that's the very first thing that we look at, because most people have these negative self-identities that they don't even realize. All right, they look at themselves as a binge eater, or as someone who's lazy, as someone who just is the fat guy. And obviously, like, what is, like, what do these people do? They do the bad things. They pop on the couch. They eat the chips. So we have to change that self-identity first. That's the very first thing that we do. And what is an action step that allows these folks to change their self-identity so they can begin good habits and not only start to lose the weight, but not have their New Year's resolution go down the drain by January 15th? Mm-hmm. Yeah, great question. How do you actually change this on a tactical level? Uh, so the, the first step is being aware of it, of course. So taking time to journal out, like, what is my actual self-identity right now? Like, what do I, how do I actually view myself? How do I talk to myself? How do I refer to myself? Once you're aware of it, you'll see, okay, is it good or is it bad? Most times it's going to be bad. All right, so we need to change that. Um, so one of the most tactical things that we do is uh, we do uh, morning journaling as part of our program. So Basically, um, guys will journal out um, their gratefuls, goals, and then the third one is their self-identity. Um, so that's like one of the things that we're, we're really trying to rewire that in our, our mind is that self-identity. The reason why we do journaling is 90% plus of our thoughts are repeated every single day. All right, 90% plus. So if we can get a new input of morning journaling, it's now part of something we do every day, it's going to embed into that 90% plus. Right? We want it to be repeated every day. People find themselves stuck in a cycle where they wake up. This used to me, I would wake up second one, I'm already in this negative mood. I'm already complaining, oh, this is going to be a tough day. I have to do X, Y, Z. I don't want to do it. Compared to now, I wake up and my, my default is gratitude. I've simply just rewired that 90% plus. So journaling is a great way to do that where we have them journal out their identity you know, every morning, and that's how we start to rewire that process. And so 
it rewires the way that they think. If something is repeated, it gets remembered. Right, so we do that every day. We uh, journal their identity every single day. Um, that's one of the tactical things that we do. All right, Jack. So final question for you. Uh, and we're talking with Jack Bly, the founder of Default Kings. It's January 15th. It's that time when most people who have the best intentions and they have put forth a New Year's resolution to lose weight, but almost inevitably they fall off the wagon and their plans, you know, go by the wayside and they don't achieve their goals. Jack, from the people you work with, what's the chief difference between someone who sticks with the program and someone who doesn't stick with the program? What's the common denominator you find? Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, so the really the, the most common denominator is ownership. All right, is are you someone who's willing to take ownership? As like, like kind of the damage of the mission, like we'll tell guys, um, like, look, you're not gonna, you're going to mess up, even if you join the program, you're gonna mess up uh, a month in, two months in, you're not gonna become a robot. And so the, the difference between those that succeed and those that don't is are you going to take ownership over your mistakes? All right. Something, something very simple that we all have to do. I still mess up to this day. I still make mistakes. Um, I have to be willing to take ownership over those. Um, if you can do that and just continue to show up every day, that is all it takes. All right. Because it's, it's a process. But if you can do that simple thing, you can take ownership and you can keep on showing up, you will succeed. Over a long time horizon, you will never fail. You keep doing that. Okay, I'm going to ask one last question. This will be the last question, but here's the deal. So people are going to fall off the wagon. The key is to get back up. It's okay. Forgive yourself if I'm hearing you correctly. So, therefore, that's going to require a program where there must be some sort of sustainability. So it's not just complete deprivation. Speak to that quickly. Yeah, absolutely. So. Um, two things that we preach is um, there's a lot of different diets out there, like keto or you know carnivore, for example, where you have to cut off a specific food group. Um, now those may work for some people. If you like truly don't care about carbs at all, you don't want them for the rest of your life. That's cool, do it. Um, but for a lot of people, like it doesn't work. Um, holidays come up, birthday parties come up. They want to enjoy you know a slice of cake at their son's birthday, or you know mm-hmm. they want to do this thing with their friends, and so a lot of these diets end up not being sustainable. So what we preach, um, for example, like the 80-20 approach, where 80% of the time you should be eating good, nutritious food, 20% of the time you can have a lot more flexibility. Um, you can, you know, have a piece of, uh, slice of cake at the birthday card party. You can, you know, go out to dinner with friends. Um, and so we we found this is just the most sustainable approach. We need sustainability. We don't, we don't want a six-week fix where we lose weight and we gain it back. We don't want that. Um, we want something that's sustainable. Same thing in our workouts. So we don't make our workouts two hours long. Most of them are 30 to 45 minutes long. So knowing, okay, am I doing this, you know, unsustainably? Am I really just <laughs> starving myself? Am I really just in the gym for two hours killing myself? Um, or is this going to be something that's sustainable for the rest of my life? Um, so make sure that whenever your approach is, it's absolutely sustainable. You can do it for the rest of your life. That's a very important thing. All right. Folks, if you want to, Get back on the wagon and uh, and resume your your New Year's resolution, which you've done time and time again to lose weight. Uh, Jack, tell the folks where they can find you on Twitter. Absolutely. So you guys can find me mainly on Twitter. Uh, my username is the Jack Bly. Um, so that's J A C K 
B-L-Y at the Jack Bly. All right, sounds good. This is our official public service and announce it to the folks who listen to this show so we can strive for a healthier America. Jack, keep up the good work, buddy. Absolutely. Appreciate you, Bernie. All right, thank you. That is Jack Bly. You can follow him on Twitter at the Jack Bly. Uh, you know uh, you, you know what? You've probably all been guilty of it at one time or another. You begin with a New Year's resolution, and uh, it, it ends. But there is a way to train your mind. There is a way to change your self-image. There certainly is a way to create a program that will allow for lifetime sustainability so that you can get off this you know, zigzag pattern of losing weight, gaining weight, losing weight, et cetera, back and forth, and enjoy a much healthier lifestyle. Are we preaching here? No, no. We try to be as eclectic as we can on this show. And uh, look, most of the people who listen to Sports Talk Radio are men between 25 and 54, but that doesn't mean it's just them. And uh, what we try to do is uh, not be one-dimensional. So hopefully uh, that is a subject matter that folks uh, can uh, relate to. Coming up, amidst the new changes in the playoff format this year, as there are now 14 teams, even though two were eliminated today, are the new overtime playoff rules. And if you saw the Kansas City-Buffalo game and you happen to be a Bills fan, well, these rules could not come too soon. There are a lot of interesting changes that get a little, I would say, granular. But we're going to cover them all and cover all possibilities because it's almost inevitable. We're going to have at least one overtime game during the playoffs. And I would say there's a probability, if not a possibility, that we get a playoff game between now and Monday. But we shall see. We'll tell you how all that works. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the LasVegasTireRack.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back on the Bernie Frato Show. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, a ton of stuff. To get to uh, top of next hour, I'm going to give a tribute to the Miami Dolphins, the only undefeated team in history. Are they the greatest team of all time? I'll make a case. 50 years ago today, they uh, won the Super Bowl over the 
Dallas Cowboys or checked out the Washington Redskins to go 17-0-0. Uh, by the way, they had six one-score games that year, just so you know. They didn't blow everybody out. Overtime. All right. We have new overtime rules for the NFL playoffs, and it's worth knowing, so you're not scratching your head if the game goes overtime. You're going, wait, what's going on here? First of all, overtimes in the postseason now are going to be 15 minutes long, and they're going to play until there's a winner. Now, most notably, the biggest change here is the new guaranteed possession rule is going to take for effect. This is a new guaranteed possession rule for the first time this postseason. Each team is going to get the opportunity to possess the ball at least once, even if the team that has first possession scores a touchdown. Now, there is one small caveat, but this is also true in the regular season. If the team kicking off to start the overtime period gets a safety on the receiving team in their initial possession, the game is over. Other than that, both teams are guaranteed a possession. This is, I think, a great time for this to happen because last year, you know, you saw the situation with with Buffalo and Kansas City and the way it ended in sudden-death fashion left everybody kind of feeling empty. And really, the team, people have always believed that the team who wins the overtime coin toss, they have an unfair advantage. And the statistics back that up, at least in the postseason, because since 2010, teams that won the coin toss in overtime, they're 10-2. and two, With seven of those 10 winners scoring a sudden-death touchdown on their opening drive. So this makes this much more equitable. Now, if the score is tied at the end of an overtime period, or, and this is key to note, or if the second team's initial possession has not ended, the teams will play another overtime period. And play is going to continue regardless of how many overtime periods are needed until there's a winner, until the winner's determined. Now, there will be a two-minute intermission between each overtime period, there will not be a halftime intermission after the second period if it goes that long. And by the way, the captain who lost the first overtime coin toss will either choose to possess the ball or select which goal his team can defend unless the team that won the coin toss deferred that choice. So they have thought of just about everything here and don't think a game can't go long. Again, 1971, Christmas Day, the, the game that put the Dolphins into the Super Bowl, uh, the bottom line is it was the longest game in history. Uh, it was uh, it was Miami Kansas City, and and it was the total amount of playing time was 82 minutes and 40 seconds. It, it ended halfway through the second overtime. So these things can happen. Gary Premi kicked a field goal. Here's some other details to remember about overtime. Again, this isn't the playoffs. This is directly from the NFL rulebook. Believe it or not, you may not like this, there are no coaches' challenges in overtime. All replay reviews can only be initiated by the replay official. I'm not sure why they decided to do that, but be that as it may, that is a rule now. Each team will get three timeouts during a half, meaning there were two overtime periods, as opposed to two timeouts during the overtime in the regular season. So think about that. It's an extra timeout. Should a, a full half of football would be two more overtime periods, 15 minutes each. Teams now get three timeouts instead of two. Now the intermission between the end of regular time, how long are they going to wait? No, they're not going back into the locker room. The intermission, if the game ends in regulation in a tie, the first overtime period is going to start within three minutes after the end of the, after the conclusion 
of of the of you know the game in, in regular time. And again, I, I said this a minute ago, there's a two-minute intermission between each overtime period, but there'll be no halftime should they actually go to a third overtime and play two full overtime periods after regulation, which would be 15 minutes each. Now, at the beginning of the third overtime period, again, the captain who lost the overtime coin toss can either choose to possess the ball or select which goal unless the team that won the coin toss deferred. I know this is a lot to digest, but they gotta they got to have everything, right? If there's still no winner at the end of a fourth overtime period, can you imagine that? I, I don't really envision that happening. There's going to be another coin toss, all right? They went. They they made all these modifications in the law in, in the off season. You know, in the in the overtime rules in in the postseason are different than the overtime rules in the regular season. See, during the 2010 postseason, there's been an evolution to this, and I think on the margins they have slightly improved it every year. But it still leaves some people gasping when you saw what happened. I don't keep referring to it, but it's like the it, it, it's like the most you know, glaring example. The Kansas City and Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills played an absolute doozy last year. Mahomes and Josh Allen battled back and forth. The game goes overtime. The master magician, Patrick Mahomes, and the Kansas City Chiefs win the toss in overtime. They take the ball down the field and score. That's it. Good night, folks. Thanks for participating. It left folks feeling empty. It left fans feeling empty. I think they flooded the NFL offices. Roger Goodell has said as much. We're going to listen to the fans on this one. Wouldn't, wouldn't it have been incredible to see what Buffalo would have had the chance to do to go back and forth, have a chance to answer Mahomes' touchdown in overtime last year? And, and again, this is not a, a sudden death situation. These are overtime periods that are going to be played. But as I said, it, there's been an evolution. If you go back to 2010, the, the NFL initially installed a modified sudden death overtime system, which no longer allowed the team to just win a, with, with a field goal in its opening down. Remember? Seems like ancient history now, but if you got the ball, went down and kicked a field goal, that was it. Well, you if you if you return the kickoff to the 25, you really only needed to go about 40 yards to get your kicker and field goal range and that I don't think led to you know accurate outcomes then two seasons later the NFL expanded those rules to cover regular season games and of course in 2017 regular season overtime was shortened from 15 minutes to 10 minutes this was I you know the idea behind it was player safety that's what the NFL wants you to believe but now again you have a very equitable situation where not only both teams have a chance to possess the ball regardless of what happens in the opening possession. There are going to be 15-minute overtime periods, and the lack of sudden death aspect is going out the window. So let's see if there are any overtime games. By the way, again, the longest overtime game in NFL playoff history. There was a divisional matchup between the Dolphins and the Chiefs. Christmas Day, 1971. This holds the record. Double overtime, 82 minutes, 40 seconds. Both teams actually failed to convert a field goal in the first overtime. And then finally, Gary Apremian, the legend that is Gary Apremian, the left-footed kicker from Miami, he redeemed himself, kicked a 37-yarder, and that was in the second overtime halfway through, and Miami wins 27-24. Seems like the Chiefs are involved in lots of these types of games. Coming up, what's up with Lamar Jackson? The Ravens will be playing the Bengals in the wild-card round of the playoffs Sunday night without 
Lamar Jackson, who has not suited up since December 4th. What in the wide, wide world of sports is going on here? We're going to try to unpack it for you and tell you what we know. Is there a deeper story here? But first... Let's go back to our guy, Kevin Wyatt, with the latest. It was certainly an eventful Saturday in sports, Bernie. Uh, NFL playoff action. The Chargers, a big lead over the Jacksonville Jaguars. It was 27-0 late in the first half of the wild card game. That's how it started, but it finished with the Jags winning it 31-30. They came from behind, down 27 points. It's the third largest comeback in NFL playoff history. They won it on a 36-yard field goal on the final play. And this is what Brandon Staley had to say after the loss. I mean, anytime you, you're up 27-7 to 7 at halftime and you've got four takeaways and you end up winning the takeaway margin for nothing, you know, it's going to be it's gonna be a killer. Uh, I'm hurting for everybody in that locker room. It's a special group of guys, and, you know, this is the toughest way that you can lose, you know, in the playoffs. Certainly a tale of two halves. Trevor Lawrence had four interceptions in the first 30 minutes of the game, but he still finished with four touchdown passes. The 49ers... Eliminate the Seattle Seahawks 41-23, winning their 11th game in a row. And Brock Purdy, another outstanding game. He still has not lost a game he started as he had four total touchdowns, 332 yards passing. Christian McCaffrey also another solid performance with 119 rushing yards. NBA action on Saturday night as the Memphis Grizzlies won their ninth game in a row, 130-112 at Indiana. The Celtics, sixth game in a row, they won 122-106 at the Charlotte Hornets as Jason Tatum had 33 points for Boston. College Hoops Axon over in the Big 12, a matchup of two ranked teams as number two Kansas edged at number 14 Iowa State 62-60. Down in the SEC, it was number four Alabama who absolutely rolled over LSU 106-66. Kentucky beating number five Tennessee 63-56. Over in the Pac-12, it was number seven UCLA who was down by nine points about 10 minutes to go in the second half, but they came back to beat Colorado 68-54. Oregon with an upset victory against number nine Arizona 87 68. This game was tied early on in the second half, but the Ducks able to completely pull away in this one. Number 10, Texas. They were down by 10 points at the break, but they came back to beat Texas Tech 72-70. Number 11, Kansas State, losing to number 17, TCU, 82-68. Number 15, Arkansas. They fell to Vanderbilt, 97-84. Number 16, Miami, over, took it to overtime against NC State, but ended up falling 83-81. to Number 18, Wisconsin, they're upended by Indiana 63-45. Number 19, Providence, they lose to Creighton 73-67. to 20th ranked Missouri, they lose to Florida 73-64. And number 24, Duke, falls at their home stadium, Cameron Indoor Stadium 72-64. to Back to you, Bernie. Okay, thanks, Kevin. Um, if you are a Baltimore Ravens fan, if you are a Lamar Jackson fan, I am guessing right around 8.15 Eastern time Sunday night, you will be getting rope burns from your rosary. Why? Lamar Jackson is not playing. And this is huge. Lamar Jackson is 22-10 and 10 as a starter, 20-10 and 10 against the spread as, as an away starter. Look, he's 9-2 and two against the spread as a dog. Baltimore's not an underdog much with Lamar Jackson and not the least of which Action Jackson is six and one straight up against some Bengals, uh, and you know they've had some big wins in the jungle. Well, this game is is going to be on the road, and the 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 Ravens are getting eight and a half points. This is really going to be tough duty. If you haven't heard, Lamar Jackson will not be playing Sunday night, and and the question is, do you, do you see Lamar Jackson in a Ravens uniform again? 
what gives, right? Let's unpack this because it's starting to become a little bit of ancient history, but we're now a full six weeks, 42 days since Jackson sprained his PL, uh, PCL in Baltimore's game against the Broncos back on December 4th, and he has not played since. By the way, not for nothing, it's Lamar Jackson's second straight season marred by injury, which may speak to the fact as to why Baltimore, well, they offered Lamar Jackson $250 million, but they didn't guarantee it all like uh, Deshaun Watson got. They did guarantee $133 million of it, but that wasn't good enough for Lamar Jackson, who wanted fully guaranteed contract like Cleveland gave Deshaun Watson. By the way, I don't know if this matters, Jackson has been acting as his own agent. Now, the interesting thing is, is Jackson could make $250 million if he completes the contract, and that would be his result of performing on the field and playing well and staying healthy, which he hasn't proven he can do. But this is a tough one, okay? Now, Baltimore can keep him next season. They're going to have to franchise tag him. And this is an MVP, and this is why a former MVP, he's in his prime, uh, and this is why I think he wanted to be paid because he's looking around saying, hey, I didn't get in trouble. I didn't go to massage parlors, uh, you, you know, or not massage parlors, but you, you, know, you know where I'm going with that. Uh, I didn't get in trouble, um, and I'm a former MVP. Deshaun Watson's not a former MVP. Well, Cleveland decided they were going to pay this tax so they can, you know, desperate people do desperate things, and I think Cleveland is desperate to get to a Super Bowl. But Jackson's 26. He's still very young by modern quarterback standards. As a matter of fact, he's only a year older than Stetson Bennett, who's still in college. Well, he's done with college now, but this is something you're going to have to watch in the offseason, and that's where I'm ultimately going with this. This isn't just about Sunday night. This isn't about Lamar Jackson playing or having not playing since played since December 4th. They're not only going to have to beat the Red Hot Bengals with either Tyler Huntley or Anthony Brown, but they're going to have to rely on a tremendous defensive effort if they have any shot of winning. So you probably have heard Michael Vick's comments by now. Uh, I said last night on my show, I will not second-guess or question someone's pain threshold or to the degree to which they're injured. All I know is this feels a little different weird to me. There's a lot of questions and basically zero answers, and now we're in the playoffs, Okay. The, the, the press has repeatedly asked Coach John Harbaugh about Lamar Jackson and, and the, the, the fact that he continued to miss practices. And on Wednesday, they, you know, Harbaugh was asked, you know, are you, have you ruled him out against the Bengals? No, I don't have anything to add on this. No updates at this time. Yeah, sure. Come on. Please. You're insulting our intelligence. I realize you want to, you know, maintain a, a modicum of dignity here and decorum. But this is a situation that feels like it's been botched by both sides because it has been botched by both sides. There's fallout now. And the, so there's questions across the NFL that people are wondering. Have there been complications with Jackson's knee, a sprained PCL? Or is this one of those classic, this is the new term now. It's called a hold in. You're not holding out, you're holding in. Where you're, 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 a, you're a, a very valued player, but you're going to preserve your health for the next contract negotiation. But neither the Ravens nor Jackson will address those questions. But this is why you come to the conclusion that whatever is being said by either side, there's a very good chance that neither side is entirely believable. See, because when all this started, it was hard to believe the Ravens would leak contract figures because that's one of the quickest ways to poison your fan base against the quarterback. But it happened. On the flip side, it's 
pretty difficult to believe Jackson would ever hold back from a return to the field because anybody who knows him as a football player will tell you that's not in his DNA. That's not how he's built. He's, a, he's an extreme competitor. So what the hell's going on here? Because history has shown us that contract issues, when they break down, they break down bad. And the longer this one goes, the worse it looks. That's why this conversation isn't just about what's going to happen Sunday night in the Baltimore Ravens in their quest to beat Cincinnati. This is a byproduct of the offseason's failed contract talks and sort of this uneven uneasiness that has been this cloud hanging over the Baltimore Ravens the entire season. Okay, In hindsight, if you look back, I think it's fair to ascertain that we always knew we were going to end up right here because this is a tug-of-war where both sides are absolutely dug in, and from the start of the negotiations, there was very little information where precisely Jackson and the Ravens were breaking down, except it's pretty clear that Jackson wanted what Deshaun Watson got and Steve Bashotti and the Ravens said, no, you're not getting that. And I, I can't really blame him, I get the, the Ravens. At the same time, you know what that, you know, that offense with Baltimore, whew, they couldn't score in a women's prison with a fistful of 50s. And now they're going to Cincinnati and face the Red Hawk Bengals, right? Then there's more goofy information that has leaked out over the course of the season, early in the season, the league. You know, the group think Echo Chamber was telling us, or at least it was bandied about, that it was an issue with the term of the contract, that Jackson wanted four years on the contract and the Ravens wanted at least five. But what mucked the whole thing up, and you know it, was Deshaun Watson's five-year, $230 million fully guaranteed contract with the Browns, and that's created the chasm between the Ravens and Jackson. This is all of a sudden a massive, massive distance between the attitude between these two parties. And I, it, I don't believe it had anything to do with the matter of years or length of the contract. I believe it was a function of getting a deal that had every dollar guaranteed. But even with this information that's we are gleaning from a negotiation that was very obtuse and nebulous and really hard to follow and because it wasn't a typical structure of teams jockeying with an agent behind the scenes. Instead, it was the Ravens trying hard to say right all, all the things publicly right without saying anything. And Jackson saying nothing beyond some social media posts and exchanges that you really, you know, were hard to decipher. And he going back and forth with fans. And now it's all behind the cloak of this injury that may or may not be lingering longer. We just don't know. Somewhere inside of all this, by the way, and this may have thrown a monkey wrench, linebacker Roquan Smith, who was acquired from the Bears earlier in the year, who has performed admirably, has really bolstered that defense. He got a bar-setting contract done with the Ravens, and he doesn't have an agent either. It was a negotiation, basically, that basically said, Smith, look how I have... Uh, he told, you know, he basically... Rokon Smith, it's my understanding, negotiated directly with general manager Eric DaCosta, and they got it worked out. And I know it's not the same as a franchise quarterback, but Roquan Smith is still a big-time player, and he's a cog in key cog in the Baltimore Ravens and their future success. The bottom line is we know this process can work, but for some reason it isn't working for Lamar Jackson and the Ravens. Now, what's going to happen? I don't know. We know he's not playing Sunday. Will the Jets go after Lamar Jackson? I guess we'll find out. But if you're a Baltimore fan, like I said, when the game kicks off Sunday night and you're rooting for the Ravens, or you're rooting for 
Lamar Jackson, you will be gripping your your rosary and you'll have rope burns by the end of the night. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. You are back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Come to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Fox Sports Radio. Top of the hour. 50-year anniversary of Don Shula, the Miami Dolphins, beating the Redskins in Super Bowl Seven to go 17-0-0. Are they, are they the greatest team of all time? I'll make a case. I'll juxtapose how the Chargers and their culture might take some notes from what the Dolphins did. And, oh, by the way, the Dolphins had three close calls. Uh, I'll share with you some things you probably didn't know about that team. But first, another team that might be one of the greatest in history. I'd be remiss if I didn't reference its feeling like ancient history now, but Monday night, Georgia won its second straight national title in football, 65-7 to beatdown of a TCU team that I think the moment was just too big for them. I looked at their body language in the stadium and the millions of people watching, and they just they were out of their element. Uh, and Georgia, that's that's where they live. I know it was it was basically over within the first 15 minutes, the worst ever blowout in a championship game, maybe even a bowl game ever. But the question now that people are asking, but I think it's I think the answer is yes. Is Georgia the best program in college football right now? Yes, they are. Two straight titles is all you need, and the you know another batch of bulldogs or first round picks in the NFL draft. You can say, and I agree with this, that Nick Saban is the best coach in college football history. But Kirby Smart, who happens to be Nick Saban's protege, is the best right now in terms of the program he's got. Now, let's give a huge tip of the cap to Stetson Bennett. This is a gentleman who was responsible for six touchdowns last night, and two years ago he was a walk-on. Now he has two national titles, wasn't even the starter to begin the 2021 team's title run, isn't widely considered a top prospect at the next level. Do I think he's going to be in someone's camp? Absolutely. Do I think he's going to be drafted? Probably. Let's see what he can do. All right? I don't know who you compare him to. Let's not worry about that. But I'm fascinated by him. And, of course, this is what we do. Now we look ahead to Georgia and their 2023 schedule. They may run the table again. Now they got to go to Tennessee. That's going to be tough. A three-peat. We've, by the way, Georgia is the betting favorite as of now to, uh, to win it all again. Now, the college football title history is a little messy. No team has ever finished number one in the AP poll. Finished number one in the AP poll three straight seasons. Even, I think, Minnesota, back in the 30s, they won three in a row. They had a dominant run, but this is a little different ballgame now, obviously. But you are seeing now these way-too-early top 25 polls that feature the Georgia Bulldogs as number one team. And, again, uh Florida and LSU, Florida State and LSU, they play in week one. The Vols, they're at 14. They're prime candidates to possibly upset Georgia. And let's not leave out Ohio State and Michigan. They both end up in their what-if spirals. The Buckeyes should have beaten Georgia. The Wolverines, they were embarrassed to lose to a team they were supposed to beat to. But, you know, by the way, let's give some credit to TCU, okay? I'm tired of this crap about two pick sixes and everything. Maybe TCU's defensive backs have something to do with that. TCU's team speed and physicality very much bothered Michigan. TCU did beat six-ranked teams this year. When Donovan Edwards broke it and tried to take it to the house the first play of the game, Michigan against uh, TCU, he was caught from behind. That didn't happen against Illinois or Maryland or Michigan State, did it? No, it didn't. 
And then the second play of the game, Roman Wilson catches the ball on the flat, turns a corner, and against Illinois or or Maryland or Rutgers, he's in the he's in the end zone. Not against TCU. He was tackling open field. Michigan two for fifteen on third downs, could move the ball in the red zone, got out rushed by almost a hundred yards. Okay, let's back off on all Michigan had to do was show up and beat TCU. Finally, a really cool stat for the Georgia folks. A Georgia high school quarterback has started in the last seven national championship games. You probably remember some of these names. Deshaun Watson in 2015 and 2016. Jake Fromm in 2017. Trevor Lawrence in 2018 and 2019. Justin Fields in 2020. And then, of course, 21 and 22, Stetson Bennett. By the way, Georgia's one point win over Ohio State, the narrowest in college football playoff history, but the 58-point win over TCU, the largest in playoff history. Tip of the cap to the Georgia Bulldogs. An amazing job after all those players leaving for the NFL last year. Coming up, are the 72 Dolphins the greatest team of all time? We'll talk about it. Keep it locked right here. This is Bernie Fratto and the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, you heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show keeps rolling right along. My name is Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast, free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire buying should be. You know, it's almost fitting that a, a, a team like the Chargers, who's trying so hard to get over the hump, have what has happened to them tonight on the 50th anniversary of what I consider to be the greatest team of all time in the National Football League. That would be the 72 Dolphins, coached by Don Shula. In Super Bowl Seven, played on January 14th, 1973, 50 years ago to the day. By the way, the Redskins were three-point favorites over the undefeated Dolphins. The Dolphins won that day 14-7. to and they were coached by a guy named Don Shula. Now, Don Shula wasn't perfect. He ended up with the best record of all time. Very interesting guy. By the way, by the time they got to that game on January 14, 1973, Super Bowl seven, fifty years ago to the day, the Chargers debacle, Don Shula, remember, remember the Joe Namath guarantee game where the New York Jets were 17-point underdogs against the unbeatable New York, or uh, check that, uh, the unbeatable Baltimore Colts, well, they were coached by Don Shula. Shula lost that game. And then uh, just, what, two years later, three years later? Three years later, Super Bowl VI, Don Shula was not coach of the Miami Dolphins, and he lost Super Bowl VI. So Shula not only lost two Super Bowls, he did it with two different teams before he got to the promised land, and they beat the Redskins as a three-point underdog in Super Bowl VII. Not for nothing, even though the Dolphins went 17-0-0 and were an underdog in the Super Bowl, they actually had six one-score games that year. They had a couple blowouts, but for the most part, they didn't dominate everybody, and they had actually three close calls where they could have lost. Now, but here's the bottom line. The Dolphins didn't just win every game in 1972. They did so in a historically well-rounded manner. The, the, the offense scored more points and gained more yards than any other team that year. Meanwhile, the defense, well, they were... They put a vice grip on, on, on opponents. They restricted 
their opponents to not only the fewest points and fewest yards in the league, no other team in NFL history has ever led the league in points and yards on both sides of the ball and won the championship in the same year. So it begs the question, because sports fans love to argue about this, you know, Jordan, LeBron, the whole deal. Are the Dolphins the best team of all time in the history of the National Football League? Now, there are objective truths and there are personal feelings. Don't confuse the two. Why don't we just look at some facts? Okay, for starters, the 72 Dolphins, this may sound captain obvious, they're the only team ever to win every single game they played. Really, that should be about the only fact you need to consider when you debate among the best teams in NFL history. You can talk about the Dolphins' schedule. You can talk about the quality of their opponents. You can make up anything you want. All I know is that nobody was able to defeat the 1972 Dolphins, period. And despite going unbeaten in the regular season, now check this out. How would you like this? Let's say you're a, Phillies, a Philadelphia Eagles fan or whatever. The Dolphins actually had to play the AFC Championship game on the road in Pittsburgh. Think about that for a moment. Because back then, in the you know the caveman days of the NFL, of course this is only the early 70s, but there was this rotating nature of the conference title games in the 70s. So the Dolphins actually had to go into Pittsburgh in late December in the cold against the Steelers, who were 11-3 and that season. And the Steelers, oh, by the way, had the second-ranked defense and the fifth-ranked offense. And the reason the Steelers were in that game is because of the Franco Harris immaculate reception against the Raiders, a game we talked about at length. Uh, God rest his soul. Rest in peace, Franco Harris. We gave him a great tribute a few weeks back in that incredible game against the Raiders in December of 1972. Just had the 50-year anniversary for that. Here's, here's why I invoke that, because had the Raiders won that game, then the Raiders would have had to tra- uh, travel to Miami. Miami would have gotten that home playoff game, and at that point they were 15-0, right? And they're in the, AF, the AFC Championship game. They would have gotten a home game, but no. The, the, the Steelers prevailed over the Raiders, so the Dolphins had to play the AFC Championship game on the road in Pittsburgh, even though they had the better record. Okay. I mentioned this a minute ago. Statistically, the Dolphins dominated the NFL. I want to repeat it for emphasis. They were first in points scored, first in points allowed, first in point differential, first in yards per game, first in yards allowed per game. We're talking about a team that not only won every single game, they had the NFL's best defense and best offense and won it all. Now, here's another thing. This is critical. Most people, 98.7% of people will not remember that nine of the team's 14 regular season games, remember back then in the National Football League, you played 14 games, nine of the 14 games and two of the Dolphins' three playoff games that year were started and won by the team's backup quarterback, gentleman by the name of Earl Morrill, 38 years young at the time. This might be the most underrated fact of their entire perfect season. People forget the Dolphins had to do the majority of the work their season that season without their starting quarterback, Hall of Famer Bob Greasy. Now let's pretend you're the 2007 Patriots, who came very close. David Tyree caught the touchdown pass against his helmet. 
Patriots led. They're all set to go 19-0-0. But let's pretend that 07 Patriots team had to play over half of their season without Tom Brady. Does anybody think that team still would have had a perfect regular season? Look at the 08 season. Brady went down, and that was a good team. They won 11 games. Everybody says, oh, they won 11 without Brady. Well, they won 17 with Brady the year before, and the team in 08 had a better statistically ranked defense. You lose your starting quarterback, it's typically a disaster. Not for the 72 Dolphins. They dominated the NFL. Scored more points, allowed less points. You get the picture. Earl Moore was a great guy, too. I met him once at the quarterback legend show in Tennessee back in 1992 in Nashville, but I digress. Guy to Michigan State who had a bit of a journeyman career, but Don Shula signed him on purpose. Shula was a genius, okay? The Patriots weren't a disaster without Brady, but they weren't a playoff team either. But the 72 Dolphins, they still managed to go unbeaten despite playing over half the season without their starting quarterback. Now, was Don Shula perfect? Did he walk on water? No, he was human. There was a story once, one summer, Don Shula was a big movie fan, big movie buff. And one summer in the 70s, and this is after he'd won a Super Bowl, he was traveling with his family in northern Maine on vacation, wife and five kids. They decided, why don't we go take it a movie? So they go to some obscure movie theater in the middle of northern Maine in the summer in the mid-70s, and they come walking into the theater, and there are only three th people in the theater, and they're all sitting in the front row. And the second the Shula clan walks in, they stand up, turn around, and start clapping. Don Shula's wife looks at him and says, Wow, look at that, Don. No matter where you go, you're famous. We're in the middle of nowhere, and these must be Dolphin fans. Everybody loves Don Shula. And one of the gentlemen in the front row says, Lady, we don't have any idea who your husband is. All we know is the movie theater will not start the movie until there's at least 10 people in attendance. Don Shula did what he did because he created a culture. And in a few minutes, by the way, it was not automatic. There were three incredibly close calls that the Dolphins had they could have easily lost. You talk about those one-score win games, I'm going to give them to you in a minute here. But let's hearken back to the Chargers game on Saturday night. You know, there's an old saying, success has a thousand fathers, but failure is an orphan. There's plenty of blame to go around with what happened to the Chargers tonight. But Brandon Staley, their head coach, is clearly presiding over a dysfunctional culture he created. And as a result of this, when the final result when the final, you know, score registered in the books after the 31-yard field goal as time ran out, there are a lot of folks who really weren't that surprised. It's now become a term. It's called chargering. And just, you know, how many times have you seen the Chargers have oddball losses, blow leads, but when you blow a 27-point lead after you've managed to force four interceptions in the first half and you still find a way to lose. This is a franchise that is in tatters right now, in my humble opinion, when you consider the talent that they have. According to NFL research, but again, give some credit to the Jaguars, by the way, third biggest comeback in NFL playoff history, the biggest comeback in Jaguars history, and oh yeah, the biggest blown lead in Chargers history. It, as the end of the first half was, was 
you know, winding down, you're saying to yourself, I think we got this if you're Chargers fans. But charging happened in a way they hadn't seen it before. But all too often, you're, if you're being honest with yourself, you're not 100% surprised, even though the game could not have started better for the Chargers. Trevor Lawrence drops back his first-ever career pass in the playoffs, tipped at the line, tipped again, picked off by a linebacker, Drew Tranquil. Chargers take over deep into uh, Jags territory. Austin Eckler scores on the second offensive play of the game, 13-yard run. Seats aren't even warm yet. The Chargers lead 7-0. Chargers next drive. For some reason, they go forward on 4th and 7 instead of trying a 51-yard field goal. Lawrence is picked off again. Here we go. 10-0, 17-0. Pretty soon it's 27-0. But this is the National Football League, and this is the Chargers. The Jaguars got back in the game because at the end of the second quarter, and again early in the third quarter, before you knew it, it's 27-14. And now it's, okay, could this happen? Yes. Could it happen? Do you think it'll happen? Well, it happened. Jaguars get the ball three minutes to go, start at their own 21. For all of the early interceptions, you define the moment or the moment defines you. Trevor Lawrence had a chance to lead one drive and complete one of the biggest comebacks in NFL history. He did it. Hit some passes. Travis Etienne has a huge 25-yard run on fourth and inches. That sets up Patterson for the field goal. The Jags are moving on to the playoffs. The Chargers will not be getting over this loss anytime soon. I've never in 28 years of radio called for a coach's job, so I'm not going to demand that you fire Brandon Staley, but I will say this. I don't think he'll ever win a damn thing with him gracing the sidelines. And I know everybody's saying, hey, here we go. Here comes Sean McVay or uh, Sean Payton. Excuse me, Sean Payton. You really think the Spanos family will pony the money for Sean Payton? First of all, number one, what I'm hearing is Payton could command as much as $20 million a year. And by the way, not only that, the New Orleans Saints, who still own the rights to Sean Payton, are going to command and maybe even demand something similar to what John Gruden uh, or, or, or the Raiders got back 20, 20 years ago when John Gruden went to Tampa Bay. The Raiders got two first-round picks, two second-rounders, and $8 million in compensation for the Tampa Bay, from the Tampa Bay Bucks in return for John Gruden. By the way, from what I'm hearing, the Saints will, you know, they'll try to get a first-round pick, but if they don't get a first-round pick, they're going to get draft picks, they're going to get draft assets, and someone's going to have to pay through the nose to get Sean Payton. When you look at his resume, it's by far, uh, you know, the most impressive of any of the coaching candidates that will fill some of these slots this year. And by the way, they haven't fired Brandon Staley yet, so let's not go down that road. But if, if okay, as Arnie Spanier would say, the radio show is now, it's today, let's deal with it now. You really expect the Chargers to hire a big name? They fired Marty Schottenheimer in 2006 after going 14-2. and Since then, they hired Norv Turner, Mike McCoy, Anthony Lynn, and then Brandon Staley. Prior to Schottenheimer, you had legends like Kevin Gilbride, June Jones, and Mike Riley. With all due respect, I don't think any of them won a Super Bowl. Do you? Back to Don Shula. The man was not perfect. He had his ups and downs, but as I've said before on this show... Life is about, oh, 10% of what happens to you and 90% how you react. So how did Shula react when the 1972 Dolphins, a team I consider the greatest of all time for the reasons I just gave, had three harrowing close calls 
after October and well into December, or you might not, we might not even be talking about the 1972 Dolphins. I'll share with you how close the Dolphins came to not winning that championship, which, again, when you juxtapose the culture that the Chargers have, gives a cursory explanation as to why certain teams, certain coaches, certain organizations find success, and the Chargers, once again, have become a punchline. Hey, football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM every Saturday and Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff. Tune in Saturday morning at 9 a.m. Eastern and Sunday morning at 10 a.m. Eastern as we take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. Coming up, the three close calls the 72 Dolphins have. You want to hear these stories. I'm Bertie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Tyrock.com studios here in Las Vegas, Nevada. This is Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show. We're back on the Bernie Fratto Show. Coming to you live from the Tyrock.com studios here in Las Vegas. Take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. A lot of stuff to get to. Top of next hour, of course, the dance sensation sweep in the nation. What kind of brand new fool are you followed by what my name Still quite a bit of things to get to as we uh, continue on with the show and heading into, we're just hours away, well, geez, eight hours and 36 minutes away now from kickoff, the resumption of uh, Wild Card, Super Wild Card Weekend in the National Football League. All right, we were talking about the 72 Dolphins' 50-year anniversary of Super Bowl Seven when they beat the Redskins as three-point underdogs to win the whole darn thing, 17-0-0. Gave all the stats and reasons why I believe they're the greatest team of all time. Don Shula, a man who'd lost two Super Bowls to two different teams before he got to the promised land, but the culture he created, seemingly the polar opposite of what you have with the Chargers. But the Dolphins were not without their imperfections. They had three extremely close calls, starting in week three. Week three, the Dolphins beat the Vikings 16-14. to 14, And these were the old Vikings that had the legendary Purple People Eaters. The Vikings entered the 72 season, having led the NFL in scoring defense and regular season wins for three straight years. Super Bowl team. They'd lost to Kansas City in the Super Bowl. Now, on that day, the game was played October 1st, 1972. The Dolphins, you had never even heard of the 72 Dolphins. They were 2-0, and they get to Minnesota. The game was played in the old Metropolitan Stadium in Bloomington, Minnesota. Great place. Outdoors. Minnesota controlled the entire game. They jumped ahead. Fran Tarkenton throws a 56-yard touchdown pass. The first drive of the game. The Dolphins struggled offensively, but finally they take their first lead of the game, and the final lead of the game, with less than a minute, thanks to a, Do- a Bob Greasy touchdown pass to their tight end from uh, Michigan, guy by the name of Jim Mandich. Here's the thing. The end of the game did not come without controversy. Most notably, when you have a very much questioned fourth down, fourth quarter, roughing the passer play on Vikings defensive lineman, a guy by the name of Bob Lertzema. That extended the Dolphins' final touchdown drive. 
Imagine that. Even 50 years ago, people were having issues with their Fs. Now, I'm, I guess that it's presumed that had that roughing the passer play not been called on Bob Greasy on fourth down, the Vikings might have ended the Godolphin streak after two games. But what have I always said? Not good enough to be in the right place at the right time. You got to do something about it. The Vikings did. Not good enough to catch a break. You have to do something about it. The Vikings did. It's not what happens to you. It's how you react. The Vikings managed to finish the game with a touchdown pass. They dodged a major bullet. On to week six. The Dolphins are 5-0 and now. This game played in the Orange Bowl in Miami. Dolphins were playing Buffalo at home. Another game involving controversy. Mercury Morris fumbled the ball on the Buffalo sideline. The Dolphins were trailing. Historians have said time and time again, had there been instant replay, it clearly would have been ruled a fumble. But the referees are human. The referees ruled that on the field, that Mercury Morris was down, so the Dolphins got a break. Would they cash in? Yes, they did. It took a miracle play from their defensive tackle, Manny Fernandez, as the game was winding down. The Buffalo Bills were running out the clock. They went to hand the ball off to O.J. Simpson. Somehow, Manny Fernandez jumped through the line so fast, he literally ripped the ball right out of the quarterback's hand for Buffalo. And all of a sudden now, Miami's got the ball on Buffalo's 10-yard line. Miami goes down, scores, and wins. The final score, 24-23. to Another one-score game. Finally, the kicker. In the playoffs in the divisional round, the Dolphins were playing a very tough Cleveland Browns team. This game was played also at the Orange Bowl in Miami, the home of the Dolphins. It was played on Christmas Eve, 1972. This was their closest game of the season, and it took a rookie. And one of the things the Dolphins have said about this team and their historians and the players who've been interviewed is it seemed like every week someone would make a play, whether it's Fran Tarkenton, whether it's Manny Fernandez. In this case, it was a rookie, a guy we've never heard of by the name of Charlie Babb. Charlie Babb broke through, blocked a punt, and returned it for a touchdown, and that got the Dolphins back in the game, and they end up going on to win 20-14. to That was the difference in the game. And finally, one of the more clever plays, one of the more notable plays, and Mr. Lucky, one of the listeners of the show who tweeted this out earlier today, in the AFC Championship game at Pittsburgh, well, the Dolphins had a punter by the name of Larry Seipel. Larry Seipel, little-known fact as a punter, was actually a running back in college. So in his hip pocket, Shula had a play that if Seiple saw an opening, he had the green light to take off and run. But Shula told him, you better make it. Well, again, Seiple, a college running back, he decided to use his free reign to check a run out of a punt formation, and it was a gamble. He'd only done it one time in 11 career playoff games, but it paid off. This saved the perfect season for the Dolphins. Again, it was against Pittsburgh. Seipel takes off for a 37-yard run. It sets up one of the three touchdowns in the game, which proved to be the difference. Yes, another one-score game. Pittsburgh loses to Miami 21-17.
See, it's your close call in Minnesota, 16 to 14, week three. Close call in Buffalo, week six. Dolphins win 24 23. Dolphins beat Cleveland 20 to 14 in the divisional playoffs on Christmas Eve and then in the AFC Championship game. For all the marbles to put the Dolphins into the Super Bowl, they win 21 17. Four one score games. That's why, Vikings, yeah, I know you've defied the odds, but if you win your one score games, well, you have a chance to write your own history. Coming up, we'll bring in the crew. Let's get their thoughts on who they think is the greatest NFL team of all time. Is there some subjectivity? Well, sure. I gave some solid facts why I think the 72 Dolphins are, but I'm sure these guys got some opinions of their own as well. We'll get to that in just a second. But first, let's go back to our guy, Kevin Wyatt, with the latest. Wild card NFL playoff action on Saturday, and it was a doozy in Jacksonville. It looked like the Jaguars were going to get run out of the building against the L.A. Chargers. L.A. in front, 27-0 late in the first half. However, the game ended with Jacksonville beating the Chargers 31-30 on a 36-yard field goal on the last play of the game. Trevor Lawrence had four interceptions in that first half, but he really bounced back in a big way in the final 30 minutes as he finished the game with four touchdown passes. The 49ers have now won 11 straight games, and they beat the Seattle Seahawks 41-23 as Brock Purdy still undefeated as a starter. He had four total touchdowns and 332 passing yards. Christian McCaffrey, 119 rushing yards. NBA action from Saturday. The Grizzlies now winners of nine straight. 130-112, to 112, they beat Indiana. The Celtics now winners of six in a row as they beat the Charlotte Hornets 122-106. to 106. College Hoops action, a matchup of ranked teams in the Big 12, saw number two Kansas narrowly edge out number 14 Iowa State 62-60. Much easier time for fourth-ranked Alabama as they roll to a 106-66 win over LSU. Kentucky takes down fifth-ranked Tennessee, 63-56. As for number 7 UCLA, they were down by 9 with about 10 minutes to go in the second half. However, they come back to beat Colorado, 68-54. Oregon with an upset win as they beat number 9 Arizona, 87-68. Tenth-ranked Texas, they were down by 10 at halftime, but they beat in-state rival Texas Tech, 72-70. Number 11, Kansas State, losing to number 17, TCU, 82-68. Number 15, Arkansas, the Razorbacks, losing to Vanderbilt, 97-84. Number 16, Miami, made it to overtime against NC State, but they end up falling, 83-81. Number 18, Wisconsin, they lose at Indiana, 63-45. Number 19, Providence, Falling to Creighton, 73-67. Number 20, Missouri. They lose to Florida, 73-64. And 24th-ranked Duke, Duke, Duke Blue Devils losing at Cameron Indoor Stadium. Final score in that one, 72-64. Back to you, Bernie. All right, Kevin. So let's start with uh, Brandon Trufa. Brandon, did you, I know you live in SoCal. Did you grow up in SoCal? I did. I grew up in San Diego, California. Okay, so I know it's easy to have a favorite team, although I'm guessing that you would not argue that any of those Chargers teams are one of the greatest of all time. First of all, do you agree, uh, and I don't know to your level of uh, of knowledge or do you care, about the 72 Dolphins, but are they the greatest team of all time? If not, who would get your vote as the greatest team of all time in the National Football League? Well, I think that's an interesting. Uh, I think that's an interesting argument. I think there's a great. You had a great argument for the 72 Dolphins, but. You know, I grew up in a different era, Bernie. I mean, I'm I'm 30 years old. I'm turning 30 in uh, about a couple weeks. 
And, you know, the team, I guess, that I would crown as the greatest that I've ever seen play are the 2007 Patriots. Now, I know they didn't win the Super Bowl. They lost the Super Bowl to the Giants. However, that, that team just seemed unbeatable. They really did seem unbeatable. And the amount of star power on that team with Tom Brady, Randy Moss, Mike Vrabel, the defense, Teddy Bruschi, they even had Junior Seau, Chargers legend out there, um, Rodney Harrison, Asante Samuel. They really seemed unbeatable. And it's quite a shock that they didn't win the Super Bowl. I mean, they didn't win because of one fluke play. But, you know, I think it's really important to kind of note that the game has really evolved since 72. And I'm not saying that, you know, they would get the 72 Dolphins would lose to any of the teams nowadays. But the truth of the matter is, is that the game really has evolved. And I think you have to, when you take these arguments into consideration, you do have to take that point. Like, you know, uh, that the game has changed, the game has evolved. And yeah, I would I would just say the 2007 Patriots. I know you were pointing out that I grew up in Southern California. Ooh, if I had to pick right. one of those Charger teams, dude, that 2006 Charger team was, I would argue, the best team that never won a Super Bowl. Well, true, true, but I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. So I compared the Dolphins to the 2007 Patriots, and that team came within a whisker. You can still see the Tyree... David Terry clinging the ball to his helmet. But the, 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 here's the thing, and I agree that the game has changed tremendously. It's even changed tremendously in the last 20 years. And, and you know, uh, there's an old saying, don't compare ghosts, don't compare eras. Bill Russell once said that. So I'm not comparing eras. You can only say, though, that nobody beat that team. So how can a team who's lost a game be considered the greatest of all time versus a team who didn't lose, and they had to win nine of those games with their backup quarterback. I drew a juxtaposition. What if the 2007 Patriots had lost Brady? Well, they did in 2008, and they won six less games and didn't make the playoffs. So what are your thoughts in terms of, I realize you named a bunch of talent. I can name a bunch of talent on the Dolphins team that no one's heard of. Right. But, and, and again, there, there's no right or wrong. It's an opinion. It's It's a great sports debate. What would be the deciding factor? Forget how the game has evolved. What would be the deciding factor and why you'd select a team who lost a game and didn't win the championship versus a team who was undefeated? Well, because I look at the record, I see the Dolphins went 17-0. and The Patriots had to play more games that season. True. They went 18-1. and True. So technically they went 18-0, and which is better than 17-0. and Therefore, I have to give it to the Patriots. Also, I mean, I never saw the 72 Dolphins play. I've only heard stories, seen NFL films. So, I mean, I never saw them in action with my own eyes. So, I can't make, again, it's it's the whole. They were great, man. You Paul can't Warfield. make like a huge judgment just based on like hearsay and, you know, the highlights. You, I also would have loved to have seen the lowlights as well. By the way, uh, a prominent writer who I respect thinks the. 72 Dolphins were the second best team of all time. He goes way back in the cookie jar and thinks the 1962 Green Bay Championship, uh, check that, the Green Bay Packers were the greatest team of all time. Not only were they NFL champs, 11 other players were on, were made it to the Hall of Fame. And, and, and I mean, they, they started the season the first month. They only allowed 14 points and scored over 100. I mean, we're talking Vince Lombardi, Jim Taylor, Bart Starr, Ray Nitschke. So it's a subjective thing, right? The Dolphins are the only team unblemished without, you know, losing a game. And they were perfect. 
won three close postseason games, and so you had to navigate through some some murky waters too. It's not like they had a you know a, a free pass to win it. But I think you bring up some good points, and I and, accept I and accept you, your argument. I'll give you the last word. Hang on. Yeah. I accept oh. I accept your argument that they actually went eighteen and zero. So from your vantage point, that might be a better uh, you know co- accomplishment as opposed to the fact that you have a situation where they didn't win the championship, but they won actually one more game. Yeah, and to your point, I mean, they did end up winning the Super Bowl next year. The Patriots did not. Brady went down, obviously, with the torn ACL, and they finished, what, 8 and... No, they finished 11-5, well, and five, I think, they, they, and they finished 11-5 and five with Matt Castle didn't yes. make the playoffs, and that team had a much better defense. So they won six less games and didn't even go to the playoffs. But to your point, right. they were still good, okay? Oh, Absolutely. But what if Brady had gone down in 2007 and the, they'd have gone 19-0-0? They would have been the greatest team of all time, I think. Yeah. Also, okay. one one quick more point, Bernie. Go um, ahead. We were talking about how the game has changed. I just want to give a shout-out. Don Coriel belongs in the Hall of Fame. Oh, I'll I just love say that, that guy. Eric Coriel, you kidding me? If those teams would have ever had any semblance of a defense. Absolutely. God, way ahead of his time. Paul Regardless, Brody, he belongs in the Hall of Fame. million percent. We're in agreement. Maybe we can talk about that in a future show. Uh, you know, they'll be the Hall of Fame class will be upon us again. All right. Ke- first of all, Kevin Wire, where did you grow up? I grew up uh, here in Southern California. Okay. So uh, the only reason I ask is because we develop affinities, we develop affections for teams, and sometimes that skews our judgment. Uh, I'm not saying that's the case with you. Do you agree uh, what I said about? Let me let me rephrase that. Do you agree that the 72 Dolphins are the greatest team of all time? Or if not, who would be get your vote? I would have to go with the 72 Dolphins. One, the Super Bowl, they won the Super Bowl that year. They were Super Bowl champions. They did not lose a single game. And the fact that if you want to compare them to the 2007 Patriots, I mean, I, I think that's the team that comes the closest. But you have sure. to remember back in the 70s, it was a much more physical game. Getting through a season was... A lot more di- getting through a season unscathed because of the physicality was a lot more difficult than I think it was now. The last decade or two, the NFL has really been focusing on player safety, reducing injuries. So I think it's not quite as much of even though there's more games, it's not quite the meat grinder that and the NFL was back in the '70s when the Dolphins went 17 and 0. When like you couldn't even throw over the middle without a receiver oh. just completely getting destroyed. Yes, I mean, it, the rules were much tougher. Yes. So I think with all that said, because of the extra physicality that the game had back then, I don't think that a team who would go on an undefeated streak in today's game would have to go through as much physical adversity as the '72 Dolphins did. And I think that's a fair point. It, you know, this whole thing is an imponderable. I, I chose to reference this tonight because it was the 50th anniversary of the Dolphins winning the Super Bowl, beating the Redskins, who were favored by three, 14-7 in Super Bowl seven. You juxtapose that as to what happened to the Chargers, and I intended to reflect upon and honor the history of the 72 Dolphins tonight, not knowing what would happen in the Chargers game happened. Coming up, good job, guys, coming up. Some other teams that got votes because there's some damn good teams the 72 Dolphins had to beat had to beat out. I will take you on a quick trip down memory lane and share with you some of those teams, which I'm guaranteeing you are going to remember and remember some of the more famous names. I'm Bertie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio, Tyrac.com studios. Keep it locked right here. You're listening to the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There's no distance too far for the perfect trip. Hi, checking in for... Or the perfect table. 
Hey, where are you? Coming! And when you get access to Resi Priority Notify with your Amex Platinum card... Hey, this looks amazing. I'm so glad you made it. And travel benefits at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. It's worth the trip. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back on the Bernie Frato Show. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fox Sports Radio Studios, the Tyrac.com Studios. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern. A lot to get through. Top of the hour. What kind of brand new fool are you followed by what my name? We are on the subject matter. Have a little fun tonight. 50-year anniversary of the 72 Dolphins. Arguably the greatest team of all time. Uh, got a tweet from M. Hope. Thanks. Uh, such a fantastic show. Uh, I agree the Dolphins. However, the 84-49 are second. They are one field goal away from perfection. So true. So true. That was a hell of a team. And if you recall... I'm, if I'm not mistaken, they completely destroyed the Dan Marino uh, Dolphins in the Super Bowl. But that, that was a hell of a team. John Taylor, Jerry Rice, Joe Montana, Bill Walsh. Those were those great teams of the Niners in the of the 80s. It not only had great defense offenses, but had great defenses as well. So based on a consensus of writers, the Packers, some think the Packers of 62 were Number one, 11 Hall of Famers. I I believe the 72 Dolphins were some other teams on the list, though. Again, uh, uh, Brandon talked about the 2007 Patriots that lost Super Bowl. Uh, gosh, I guess it was uh, Super Bowl, f- let's see, 40, 30. Well, regardless, the Patriots uh, lost that game to the New York Giants. Uh, the game was played in, hmm. 2008. All right. Bottom line is the 2007 Patriots, they were a whisker away from going 19-0-0. Brandon has him as their number one team. I, For me, the 1989 49ers, uh, they won uh, Super Bowl 34, 33 or 34. Uh, they were absolutely incredibly dominant. They also beat a Denver team, I think, 55-10 to 10 in the Super Bowl. They not only uh, won their games, they won by an average of, of, of like 27 points per game in, in the playoffs. It was just, they had an incredibly balanced roster. Uh, by the way, if you want to have an idea how good they were, forget, the, you know, Jerry Rice, John Taylor, the whole deal. Their backup quarterback was a Hall of Famer. That was Steve Young. He wasn't starting then, getting ready to enter his prime. Now, a team you really can't ignore because this team won four Super Bowls. In the 70s alone, the 78 Steelers, one of the greatest teams 
in National Football League history. Uh, and so were the 79 Steelers. I, I, the, I went to the Super Bowl in the Rules Bowl when the Steelers beat the Rams 31 to 19. I will never forget that. What an incredibly talented Steelers team. They were 11 and a half point favorites and they went 31 to 19. I'm like, how, how does this happen? How do the odds makers know? That started to get me fascinating in betting and I started to study it and I realized, well, the line is not a predictor. It's merely an instrument to create equal action on both sides. Incredible Steelers team. A one team who never won anything, though. The 98 Vikings, they lost the NFC Championship game. They were 15-1. and one. They were 15-1 and one. during the regular season. This team, they, they put up 556 points. They had Chris Carter and Randy Moss, two Hall of Famers. And an all-pro kicker, Gary Anderson, misses a chip shot field goal that puts Atlanta in the Super Bowl. A, a wink and a nod. By the way, the 76 Raiders, I saw that Super Bowl too. Super Bowl uh, 11, they beat the Vikings in Chuck Foreman, 32 to 14, Fran Tarkenton. And, uh, and, and by the way, just to get to the Super Bowl, the Raiders had to beat the two-time champion Steelers in the AFC title game. That was a phenomenal game. By the way, let's not forget the 71 Dallas Cowboys who won Super Bowl six. They beat Don Shula and the Miami Dolphins. That was the game that, you know, lit the fire under the Dolphins' rear ends to come back in 72 and want to be undefeated or certainly wanted to win the Super Bowl. They ended up being undefeated. And, and, and the Dallas Cowboy team, Tom Lambert, was very, very good. The 79 Steelers, which I just mentioned. How about the 96 Packers, okay? Their defense only allowed 19 touchdowns all year, and they beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl until 2000. There were, you know, that, that, that uh, record held for their defense. The Ravens in 2000 only allowed 16 touchdowns. Look, it's like arguing about your favorite noodle in a plate of spaghetti. Not everybody's going to agree, but give it up. The 50-year anniversary of the Miami Dolphins, the only undefeated team in the history of the National Football League. Coming up, you know what you love, you can't live without it. What My Name, followed by Brand New Fool. Keep it locked. Fox Sports Radio has the best sports talk lineup in the nation. Catch all of our shows at foxsportsradio.com. And within the iHeartRadio app, search FSR to listen live. Well, that's right. You heard the man. The Bernie Fratto Show continues on. We keep rolling right along. We are coming to you live from the TireRack.com studios here in Las Vegas. TireRack.com will help you get there. An unmatched selection, fast free shipping, free road hazard protection, and over 10,000 recommended installers. TireRack.com, the way tire should be. Well, here we go. It's that wacky time of the week. The dance sensation sweep of the nation. You know what? You love it. You can't live without it. It's a bit we affectionately call. What kind of brand new fool are you? What kind of fool? What kind of so, what kind of brand new fool are you? Yeah, well, you know, in this great land of ours and across this globe, every week a week does not go by where somebody does something that leaves you completely scratching your head, wondering what the hell were you thinking. Sometimes it's nefarious, sometimes it's innocuous, sometimes they've broken the law, but any way you slice it, any way you add it up, it, it leaves you wondering, what kind of brand new fool are you? So this week, let's go to Seattle. Folks, meet Ermelindo Castro of Seattle. Charges were filed recently against a gentleman who was a software engineer accused of stealing more than $300,000 from the company he worked for through a scheme involving software edits. 
to their checkout page. Now, court documents went on to state that Castro, he began making these, quote, malicious edits clear back in the spring of this year. And they were basically reported three ways because Castro stole money from the company by editing the website customers and the way they bought products. See, what he did, he wrote a software code that would apply a small percentage of customer checkouts and send all shipping fees associated with those purchases to an account he set up, and he ended up netting about $110,000. Then he wrote a replacement code when the company got onto him, and he started to charge certain customers for shipping and added that to his tally, Got another $151,000. Then he found a way to manipulate and change the prices and bought the items for pennies on the dollar, and this resulted in an additional theft of $40,000. In total, Castro, because of his software writing proclivities, was able to steal over $302,000, and he faces two counts of first-degree theft and identity theft. Here's the kicker. According to documents filed by the Seattle police, Ermelindo Valdez Castro told detectives that the scheme that he was inspired to copy was a similar one from the famous 1999 film Office Space. Remember Office Space? Bill Lumberg, the TPS reports, see back in the Inantech office. Peter Gibbons, he hates his job, his two best friends, well, Michael Bolton and Samir. Well, they also hate their job, and they discover when they're going to be downsized and possibly lose their job, they decide to plant a virus in the banking system, and they start embezzling money to, you know, pennies here, a few cents here and there, and they dump it into Peter's account. However, Michael admits he makes a mistake in the decimal place and ends up siphoning off over $300,000. If you haven't seen Office Space... You're first in line for a frontal lobotomy. It's a hilarious movie. But what's not hilarious is Ermelino Castro of Seattle, who copied the office space theme to steal $302,000 of his own. And now he's in big trouble, which leads to the final conclusion. Ermelino, what kind of brand new fool are you? Brandon True for you're up. Yeah, Bernie, I'm going to have to have you come in on a Saturday. <laughs> Office Space. <laughs> Nicely done, Bill Lumberg. Office yeah, Space is one of my yeah, favorite but, movies. It's a great uh, the, movie. The, the two bobs. Oh, it's awesome. But how about, it's so just good. real quickly, Michael Bolton, right? He says, well, my life was fine until that ass clown started winning Grammys. It just never ends, right? And by right. the way, I don't know if you go to tchotchkes or flingers. Make sure you wear enough flair. All right, I'm done. Your turn. All right, Bernie, let's go to Chatham County, Georgia. So, the Chatham County, Georgia Sheriff's Department is on the hunt for a man currently. And they posted this on Friday the 13th, which was, I believe on Friday, well, yeah, it was on Friday, self-explanatory, a couple days ago. <laughs> <laughs> almost walked, almost a very embarrassing moment by me. Uh, so Chatham County Sheriff's Department posted on Facebook this this past Friday on the 13th, we need your assistance locating this person. It's a 44-year-old man, last seen near Savannah, Georgia. I won't read the uh, the exact address over the air, but if you know anything about this man, call Crime Stoppers, yada, yada, yada. Well, the man's name is Michael Myers. 
That's right. On Friday the 13th, Chatham County Sheriff's Department was putting out, got a tip for a man named Michael Myers. It doesn't say what the crime he is committed of in this article, but that's hilarious and pure coincidence. I believe they also posted in the Facebook comments, if we can't find him today, we'll repost on Halloween. We appreciate the support. Oh, I love it. So what kind of brand new fool are you, Michael Myers, wherever you are? I love how you open up, though, with Bernie. I'm going to need you to come in Saturday. On a Saturday. <laughs> yeah. Remember the, remember the answer machine? He's got like seven. You have 17 messages. Yeah. And the <laughs> yeah. flare uh, at Peter, uh, Oh, God, I love uh, I can't get it. Look. You can get a you can get a cheeseburger anywhere, right? But here we want to have fun. But I love it when his girlfriend he got seventeen messages. He goes, "You won't call me back, Peter." By the way, I'm cheating on you. <laughs> oh, God. The music in watch. that movie is great too. It, it the is. The music is great. It is. It, everything about it, it, it. It's a movie that everybody can relate to. Uh, Kevin, before you get to your brand new fool segment. Uh, not to put you on the spot, but did you see Office Space? I have not seen that movie, no. All right, well, just move on then. I, <laughs> I, I, I recommend it highly. Go ahead. Uh, you're up. What kind of brand new fool? Well, we've all forgotten something at one point in our lives. Well, this guy really uh, has uh, taken it to another level. A man was arrested in Madison, Indiana, after police said he left methamphetamine at a business and then came back to ask if anyone had found it. The Madison Police Department said it responded to the unnamed business on January 7th after an employee reported finding a bag of meth in the bathroom. They said the suspect, Christian Horton, 27, of Madison, later returned to the business and was seen on surveillance footage asking if anyone had found it. Well, they arrested him the next day during a traffic stop in which they said they found even more methamphetamine during the search. So he was arrested and charged with possession. So uh, what kind of brand new fool are you? Yeah, not good. Not good. Another rising edition of what kind of brand new fool is in the books, as usual. Uh, we've even got a little couple movie references, a couple of coincidences. But at the end of the day, people who have just decided, you know, I'm going to act like an idiot and uh, put my life on tilt for a while. Another rousing edition of Brand New Fool will be heard in just 167 hours and 15 minutes from now, folks. So, Hang tight, we'll be with you. But what that now leads us to the next favorite segment we lovingly refer to as What My Name. So here we go, guys. So today, Brock Purdy started a playoff game, and he was he he became the lowest drafted player to ever start a playoff game at quarterback. Before me, I was the lowest player drafted player to start a playoff game today before Brock Purdy. What my name uh, Brandon Trufa. Tom Brady? Not. Oh, that's not bad. That's not bad, but it's, it, it wasn't him. It wasn't him, but that's an excellent guess. Uh, before today, when Brock Purdy was the, became the lowest ever drafted player to start a playoff game, I was the lowest ever drafted player to start a playoff game. Uh, Kevin Wyatt, what my name? I would like to say uh, when Carson Palmer got hurt for the Cardinals, was it Ryan Lindley? Oh, uh, no, good God. You guys are on your game. Remember Ryan Lilly from San Diego State? No, it's not him. It's actually actually TJ Yates started against the Raiders for the Houston uh, Texans the year Derek Carr got hurt. Okay, moving on with the playoffs. I'm a current head coach. I've won more road 
NFL playoff games than any other NFL coach in history. Brandon Trufa, what my name? Um, Kyle Shanahan. Good guess. Not him. All right. I've won more road NFL playoff games than any NFL coach in history. Kevin Wyatt, what my name? Uh, Don Shula. Excellent guess. Not him. It's actually John Harbaugh. John Harbaugh. And along those same lines, I am currently, I am, I am the all-time leader in playoff wins as an NFL head coach. Brandon Trufa, what my name? Uh, Bill Belichick. Bam, there you go. Back on track. It is Bill Belichick. All right. Had a rookie quarterback starting in the playoffs today and actually won. Well, actually, no, Brock Purdy's not a rookie. Oh, yes, he is. He's a rookie. Mr. Irrelevant. Okay. I'm the last rookie quarterback to win a playoff game. Kevin Wyatt, what my name? As a rookie. Yep. Yeah, I got to think of this one. Uh, Russell Wilson. It is Russell Wilson. Now, we might have, the judges are going to allow it. Uh, Mark might have been a little liberal with the clock. Supposed to have the buzzer after five seconds, but still an excellent effort. Russell Wilson, before today, was the last rookie quarterback to win an NFL playoff game. All right. I'm the last first-year coach to win a Super Bowl in the National Football League. Brandon Trufo, what my name? Mm, Man, I'm just going to guess Doug Peterson. Okay, not a bad guess. Not him. Uh, Because I I don't think he he didn't win in his first year with Philadelphia, but still a good guess. All right. I'm the last first-year coach to win a Super Bowl in the National Football League. Kevin Wyatt, what my name? Oh, I can't even. I'm not. I don't even know where to begin on this one. All right, we go back about 30 years. It's actually George Seifert of the San Francisco 49ers. All right, last one, guys. Sticking with the National Football League and the playoffs. Okay, this week in 1982. I'm the guy who caught the pass from Joe Montana that put the Super the 49ers into the Super Bowl. This famously became called the catch. Brandon Trufa, what my name? That's gonna be uh, Bill Lumberg. No, sorry, uh, Dwight Dwight Clark. Nicely done. There you go, guys. Good effort. Another rousing addition of Brand New Fool, followed by what my name NFL playoff edition and you know uh i i I don't know about you guys i i really actually enjoyed both games today the first game not so much because it was you know it wasn't super competitive in, in the second half but you're starting to see some new blood emerge i mean look at what a redemption story this was for geno smith and if you watch that game today when seattle was competing i don't think i'm mixed up about this i saw the 49ers rally around Brock Purdy. I think this is now Brock Purdy's team. I really do. We shall see how the 49ers continue on in this playoff tournament. But, uh, you know, Mr. Irrelevant, which I always have believed is a term of endearment, it shows you I've been drafted by a National Football League team, which a lot of people would dearly love to happen, have happen. But this is a guy 
who has proven uh, he can really play the position as to what it requires on a National Football League level. He pretty plays it with his eyes. He's able to slide maneuver in the pocket. He's faster than you think. He'll avoid sacks, which is huge. You never sack the guy. He manages to get outside the pocket, heave it downfield or out of bounds and fight to live, live to fight another day. Doesn't turn it over. Makes the throws on the field. And, and I think he's got a real huddle presence about him, too. And then, of course, in the second game, this is going to be one for the ages. We'll see what happens if, in fact, Brandon Staley survives this one. So if the triple header Sunday and Monday night's game is anything like today, I really think we're in for a lot of fun over the next, uh, well, what, 48 hours. Coming up, some final, final, final thoughts now that the 2022 NFL regular season is in the books and some numbers that you might find interesting and some stories that we revisit uh, that you, I think, will look back with and say, oh, yeah, that made 2022 a bit of a distinctive season. I'm Bernie Frado. We're coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Don't go away. You're listening to the Bernie Frado Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notified, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. We're back on the Bernie Frater Show. It keeps rolling right along. We'll take you up to 3 a.m. Pacific, 6 a.m. Eastern, come up by the hour after Kevin's update, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. As we close down the 2022 NFL season, the regular season, lots of interesting memories. One of the things that make this a distinctive year, all five wildcard games, by the way, are rematches. All five. In three of the games, they're playing for the third time. Um, some fun with numbers. If you don't think there was parity in the National Football League this year, of a total of a 272 games played this year in the NFL, 203 of those games were decided by eight points or less. Part of that may be that the quarterback play was across the board not consistent. In fact, due to injury, among other situations, 66 different quarterbacks started in National Football League games this year including 13 teams who had to start three quarterbacks this season. One of them, the aforementioned San Francisco 49ers, who started Trey Lance. He got hurt, then Jimmy G got hurt. Now you 
have got Brock Purdy. One guy who started every game, Tom Brady, the ageless one. It kills me how people love to hate on him, and he defies the odds. He threw the ball. He, he, he 733 pass attempts this year. And, yeah, his mechanics are still pristine. He gets the ball out. He's accurate. Believe me. You have a different agenda if you just are not acknowledging how highly effective Tom Brady is. And I think the Cowboys will find out Monday night. Uh, I, I'm on record as saying that I believe the Vikings will win Sunday. Yes, they did defy the odds. They were 13-4, and four, and their point differential was minus three. That's unheard of. They were a 13 and 14. The Vikings were the prior low were the 27 Packers, a team who was 13 and four. Their point differential was plus 63. That's a far cry from minus three. Again, all six wild card games are rematches from the regular season. And speaking of the regular season, what are the some of the things you remember? Well, who can forget the lovable Jim Ursay? He takes a victory lap on Twitter following Week 10 when he brought in Ursay uh, brought in. Jeff Saturday to be the interim coach after firing Frank uh, 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 Reich. And by the way, the Colts proceed to go 0-7 after that. Oh, boy. Oh, and how about the, speaking of public bravado, Robert Sala, a guy who I think has done a real good job with the New York Jets. I really mean that. But he starts out, you know, they the Jets go 7-9. and nine, They miss the playoffs. And after week one, he told people, Robert Sala, I'm saving receipts, right? He's as far as people who mocked Robert Sala after the Jets lost game one. By the way, to be fair, the Jets' defense improved dramatically. The offense, not so much. They got to figure that out. There's no question that that's their issue because the Jets have filled in nicely on all other sides of the ball. They just need to get their offense figured out. No, oh, by the way, when the Jets started out 7-3, and three, uh, they raised, decided to raise ticket prices, I think. So I heard this. For 2023, might have picked up some bad karma, lost the remaining six games, and missed the playoffs. Deshaun Watson got more publicity by not playing for two years than he got for playing. It's almost as if this past season, Deshaun Watson was a ghost. His first six starts with the Cleveland Browns didn't exactly produce greatness. He only averaged 6.5 yards per attempt. That is not good. The NFL average should be at least nine yards per attempt. He, he only threw seven touchdown passes, five picks. <clears throat> Deshaun Watson had a 79.1 passer rating. Now, if you're the Browns, how, how you know, geeked up are you heading into 2023? You've now got Deshaun Watson as the face of the franchise. Now, could this work out? Sure. He hadn't played in a couple years, and they had some things to, you know, sort through, but... The Browns have about 230 million reasons to hope that this pans out because this was supposed to be the missing link to get the Cleveland Browns to the Super Bowl or at least into the playoff tournament, all right? Um, if you're a Packers fan, missing the playoffs is bad enough. More Another season of Aaron Rodgers' sort of odd, idiosyncratic behavior, goofy press conferences, uh you know, almost cavalier uh, behavior. Aaron Rodgers is still effective. I mean, if you watch him, he's still got it, all right? And do I think he'll be back in Green Bay next year? Yeah, I do. What, he's going to walk away from a $50 million contract and the Packers going to trade him? I, I don't see that. I think he's going to be back for one more year. But all the Packers had to do 
Uh, I mean, the season-ending defeat at home to Detroit with a playoff berth on the line, that sort of became a metaphor for the Packers season. For whatever reason, they just couldn't quite, you know, conjure up that Green Bay Packer pixie dust that they seem to have had for decades. And again, it's all about Aaron Rodgers, the goofiness, the Lions. They had nothing to play for in terms of a playoff positioning. Now, I love that was one of my best bets of the week last week. I loved Lions catching the points. I knew Dan Campbell and that team, even though they got eliminated the minute Seattle won. The Lions were going to give a maximum effort for a couple of reasons. First of all, winning put them 9-8. and eight. First, first time over 500 in six years. That was huge. Secondly, not only did they get to knock out the Green Bay Packers and beat the Packers in Lambeau Field, they got to knock them out of the playoffs, and that was a stated goal. We want to keep Green Bay out. All the focus was about knocking out the Packers, and it did. And a, a, a wink and a nod, if you're a Packers fan, you cannot watch that game or remember that game or think about that game without asking rookie linebacker Quay Walker, what kind of brand-new fool are you? You got ejected twice this season. He needs to mature and in a manner which is, you know, I would say this, conducive to not, you know, pushing a, 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 a trainer on the field while he's trying to help a player who's down, especially in light of what happened to DeMar Hamlin. So this was, an un, this was a forgettable season for the Green Bay Packers and a forgettable season for the Chargers, who once again defended Brandon Staley before tonight, even defended his decision to play starters extensively in a, week, in a meaningless Week 18 game. You lose Mike Williams in the process. And, and again, just the situation having to do with Brandon Staley's explanation, the word salad, everything surrounding it. Finally, one last thing, give it up to the New York Giants. Uh, not only did, did, did Brian Dable manage the same situation last Sunday quite well. He'd already clinched the playoffs, nothing to play for. Their top receivers, the Giants, they played three total snaps. Darius Slate and Richie James, Isaiah Hodgkins, they're all going to be healthy for the game Sunday against the Vikings. Their backups, Kenny Galladay and Marcus Johnson, got the bulk of the work. So see, whether or not you've got 48 players and you've got this all figured out because you're the smartest guy in the room, the New York Giants actually found a way to, uh, to handle this uh, properly. Football fans, be sure to tune in to Fox Sports Radio's Countdown to Kickoff, presented by BetMGM Sunday morning, three hours before kickoff, leading every week into NFL Sunday. That's right. Tune in on Sunday morning, 10 a.m. Eastern. We take you live all the way to kickoff on Fox Sports Radio and the iHeartRadio app presented by BetMGM. Coming up in just a second, Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. But first, let's go back to our guy one last time, Kevin Wyatt with the latest. Saturday night NFL playoff action, the wild card round, and it was a wild one in Jacksonville last night as the L.A. Chargers jumped out to a 27-0 lead against the Jacksonville Jaguars, due in large parts to four interceptions thrown by Trevor Lawrence. However, the game would end with the Jaguars beating the Chargers 31-30 on a 36-yard field goal, and Trevor Lawrence, after those four first-half interceptions, would throw four touchdown passes. 49ers, now winners of 11 straight, beat the Seattle Seahawks 41-23 as Brock Purdy had four total touchdowns and 332 passing yards. NBA action last night, the Grizzlies won their ninth game in a row, 131-12 against the Pacers. The Celtics, they've now won six in a row as they beat the Hornets 122-106. College hoops action, we had some ranked teams fall on Saturday as 
Number two, Kansas. Uh, they barely get by Iowa State. Number 14, Iowa State, 62-60. to Fourth-ranked Alabama, they probably had the easiest time of all the ranked teams on Saturday as they rolled to a 106-66 win over LSU. Fifth-ranked Tennessee, they fall to Kentucky, 63-56. to Number seven, UCLA, they were down with about 10 minutes left. They were down nine, but they do come back to beat Colorado, 68-54. Another ranked team to fall was number nine, Arizona. They get upended by... Oregon, 87-68. to 68. Number 10, Texas trailed by 10 points after halftime, but they come back to beat Texas Tech, 72-70. Number 11, Kansas State, losing to number 17, TCU, 82-68. to 15th-ranked Arkansas, they get taken down by Vanderbilt, 97-84. Number 16, Miami also loses to an unranked team. They get taken down in overtime by NZ State, 83-81. to Number 18, Wisconsin, losing to Indiana, 63-45. Number 19, Providence, falling to Creighton, 73-67. to Another ranked team, number 20, Missouri, losing to Florida, 73-64. As well as number 24, Duke, as they fall to Clemson at Cameron Indoor Stadium, 72-64. to Back to you, Bernie. Okay, thanks so much, Kevin. Uh, this time every week, listen... Uh, we've been doing the world of soccer now for about 16 months, and the World Cup was a sensational tournament culminating in an incredible final game between Argentina and France. The great storyline there, Messi gets his championship, uh, but Mbappe and France, you know, they'll be back. They tried to repeat uh, not so much, but listen, this is where we're at. Soccer continues to be in the forefront, and there's always news. That's why at this time every week we bring you Chris Perfett's World of Soccer. The greatest goals. I've just seen the most insane goal I have ever seen. The thrilling finishes. The international drama. El Chicharito, Chicharito, Chicharito. Ahí, ahí la tiene Torrado. It's all here in this report from the world of soccer. We are back in full swing in cup season, Bernie, as the continuing rounds of many of the cups in European leagues continues. And I feel this is a good time to talk about the idea of the cup, such as the FA Cup or the EFL Cup or the Coppa Italia, in regards to what the NBA has wanted to put together now for a couple of years, and they seem to be on the verge of doing for next year's season. So what, what, what do we mean when we talk about cups? Well, a cup is not part of the season for a domestic league in Europe. Rather, it is a tournament that runs often alongside the regular season, the domestic season, for a given league, and it is open to a lot more teams, not just the teams the top tier. For instance, the Coppa Italia is open to not just Serie A, the top tier, but B, C, and D as well. Whereas in England, they have two different cups. They have the EFL Cup, also known as the Carabao Cup, the sponsor which includes the top four tiers of English soccer, which includes the Premiership and the rest of the English Football League. But then there's also the FA Cup. Now, the FA Cup is huge, and it's very special because it's huge. What do I mean huge? I am talking that we're including all those teams that play in the EFL Cup, those top four tiers, and you add six more tiers for the rest of the Football Association on down to the National League. Whereas the Copa Italia might have only 44 teams and the EFL Cup has 92, the FA Cup 
on any given year, depending on entries, could have over 730 teams competing. It's a tournament predicated on the idea that anyone can win it with the right power. Now, however, in practice, in the 150 plus years of the FA Cup's history, only one non-top league team has ever reached the quarterfinals. So as as much as it's open, it, it weeds itself out and the big dogs usually end up prevailing at the end of the day. But that's why we give importance to markers along the way in the FA Cup. For instance, Wrexham. Yes, the Wrexham from Welcome to, from FX's Welcome to Wrexham took down second tier English championship side Coventry City not long ago. That's huge for them. That will be celebrated for a very long time that someone as far down as the National League, fifth tier and lower, was able to beat a team that's on the doorstep of the Premier League itself. It matters in that regard. It matters for pride. But the problem is that it's pride at the end of the day. Some some cups, some competitions do have certain rewards for them. For instance, the EFL Cup, the Carabao Cup, like I mentioned earlier, now includes an automatic bid for the Europa Conference League in UEFA international play. Now, that's the third tier of international play, though. So... Uh, unless unless you are someone who is still kind of on a lower end, it's not that great of a prize. And that's kind of been the problem long spo- uh, a little unspoken when it comes to these cups, Bernie. And it's something I think the NBA should keep an eye out for as well as they plan their own in-season tournament. I know that the in-season tournament for the NBA looks very different. They want eight teams to advance to single elimination final in December, while 22 teams continue with their regular season. But it's a matter of reward. Like, for example, Manchester City just recently lost 2-0 to Southampton in the quarterfinals of the Carabao Cup. Now, Manchester City, granted, is already playing in the Champions League. Why do they care about going to the Europa Conference League? It's a matter of what each club will prioritize, and quite frankly, as in this new modern era of these top-tier leagues having as much power as they do, the Cups have lost a lot of their importance, and for over 10 years now, I've seen in red pieces from writers bemoaning the fall of the FA Cup, bemoaning the fall of the EFL Cup, the Copa Italia, the the what, the tournaments in in Spain. These aren't taking importance anymore. And I think that's a lesson for the NBA. What is going to be the carrot that really gets your players to come to the table to play in this midseason tournament? Because right now, cups that have been running for over 100 years, there's cynicism creeping in too. One of those teams who won't be able to prioritize anything is Chelsea. And I feel like I've been wanting to talk about the fortunes of Chelsea for a minute. Because once upon a time, not long ago, only a couple years ago, Chelsea was the toast of Europe. They had won the Champions League. They were always contenders to win the Premier League title. They had some of the biggest names across Europe, and they had just a, a load of money to buy all the players they really needed to to compete. And now that seems to have all been but erased. Chelsea currently sits in the very middle of the Premier League table right now, completely out of play for Europa League, Europa Conference League, forget Champions League. They're out of play of everything, and it's I, I, it's baffling on how we got here. We have to wind back the clocks a bit to, of all places, the war with, U, with Russia and Ukraine, which caused a lot of sanctions upon Russia, including against Robin, Roman Abramovich, the owner of Chelsea at the time, a Russian natural and a petro oligarch who was a very big supporter of Vladimir Putin. 
When Britain put down these new sanctions, it forced Abramovich to sell. At the same time, the club was starting to experience a, uh, a dive in its performances. They had spent well that season on Romelu Lukaku, and his play did not really appear in Chelsea. The club was sold to Todd Bowley, a American businessman and investor with ties to the Dodgers. And one of the things uh, Bowley did was hire Graham Potter as the manager. Graham Potter, who had previously done fine work at Swansea City and Brighton and Hove Albion. Now, however, it's 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 important to note that under Abramovich, Chelsea went through managers like we might go through underwear. Every time there was a problem in the club, uh, the, the players would take precedent and the manager would be fired very quickly. And usually for Chelsea, this seemed to have a, uh, a, a working effect. Now, however, under the bully regime, it's been a reversal of that. Chelsea is apparently preparing to stand by Graham Potter, even as he sits under pressure. And they're trying to move on from underperforming players, according to a report from The Telegraph which is kind of hard in soccer sometimes because you need that second side to tango. You need someone to take those players off you, and if they're underperforming, then uh, I don't know who's really buying. One of those who's not going to be on the block, according to Potter, Christian Pulisic, Captain America himself. He's been dealing with another knee injury following last week's defeat to Manchester City, and he is expected to be sidelined for about two months. Now, Graham Potter says there's no chance of him leaving. However, something to keep in mind as Chelsea tries to move into a new selling phase, which usually in the world of soccer is not to be taken lightly. And finally, one last quick note here, Bernie, we say happy trails to Gareth Bale, who has announced his retirement from professional soccer at the age of 33. I, I would like to do the same as well, if I'm being completely honest here. However, Gareth Bale, while he may be saying farewell to Wales, to his long career in professional soccer, which has spanned from Tottenham to LAFC to his beginnings in Southampton in 2006, he has always been known as someone who really enjoys golf. And in, indeed, we might have seen last time Gareth Bale will take the pitch, but not the green. He has been offered a spot in the Legends Tour, and he is considering becoming a pro golfer. And that's the world of soccer. There you have it, the world of soccer. Chris Perfett bringing it to you every week. Cover a lot of ground, everything you need to know about the world of soccer in that report. Coming up, we resume NFL Super wild card weekend in seven hours and 18 minutes. Four games left on the slate. If there's only one I could watch, I'll tell you which one it would be, and I'll tell you who I think is going to win and why. I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Fire. Uh, boy, try that again in English. Hello. Yes, I'm Bernie Fratto. We're coming to you live from the Las Vegas Tyrac.com studios of Fox Sports Radio. Keep it locked right here. We wrap it up on the Bernie Fratto Show on Fox Sports Radio. There are some things that are too good to keep a secret. Like how your Amex Platinum card helps you have the perfect trip. I'd like to check into the Centurion Lounge. Or how it seems like you always get those hard-to-snag tables. Ooh, yum. And how you get the most out of select can't-miss events. With access to the Centurion Lounge, Resi Priority Notify, and Amex card member benefits at select events, you'll have to share. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. 
At Bet365, we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. See for yourself when you sign up today and get $150 in bonus bets when you bet just $5. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Bet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is Uncanny USA. He says, somebody's in the house, and I screamed. Listen to Uncanny USA wherever you get your BBC podcasts. If you dare. All right, we're wrapping it up on the Bernie Fratto Show. Coming to you live from the Tyrac.com studios here in Las Vegas. Before I go any further, I want to thank my broadcast team. Back in Los Angeles, they've been with me since 11 p.m. Pacific on Saturday night, turning all the dials, keeping us glued together. That would, of course, be Brandon Trufa, uh, Mark Ramsey, and Kevin Wired on the updates. Good teamwork as always, guys. Appreciate you. Could not bring this fine show to a grateful nation without the teamwork and support of my broadcast crew. All right. We are seven hours and ten minutes away from the resumption of NFL Super Wild Card Weekend. Four games left. Uh, Miami and Buffalo will kick it off, followed by the, the uh, Giants and Vikings. You know I like the Vikings. I'm on record. I've told you why. Um... Uh, and then, of course, Sunday night, the Ravens and Cincinnati. But if, if, if there was only one of these four games I could watch, it'd be an easy one for me. The Cowboys and Buccaneers teed up on Monday night. And let's juxtapose these two teams. You've got one of the teams who've got a quarterback that some people like to make fun of. Knock yourself out. How's it working out for you? Guys won 35 playoff games since 2001. That's Tom Brady. He plays the Dallas Cowboys. The Cowboys is an organization since 2001. They've won a total of three playoff games. Tom Brady, 7-0, all-time against the Cowboys in the playoffs alone. By the way, 3-0 versus Dak. 5-1 as a starting quarterback for the Tampa Bay Bucks in the playoffs. Cowboys have a couple of things working against them. First of all, this defense that was, I'll admit, was playing at an elite level for many weeks in the last final, well, in the final five weeks of the regular season, they've regressed. The Dallas Cowboys defense has struggled down the stretch, allowing just under 28 points per game. And we're not talking about being carved up by elite offenses. In week 16, the Eagles, led by the legendary Gardner Minshew, they dropped 34 points on Dallas. The following week, the Cowboys once again struggled much more than expected in week 17 against the Titans offense led by Joshua Dobbs. And that Titans offense didn't even have Derrick Henry on the field that night. Finally, not to overreact, they also got carved up by Sam Howell in his NFL debut. We're talking Sam Howell, Josh Dobbs, Gardner Minshew. Well, guess what? You get Tom Brady. You get Tom Brady Monday night, who's coming off of one of his best weeks in a while, 35 of 42 for 432 yards, three touchdowns. He's got it going with Mike Evans. Dak Prescott is terrific when it doesn't matter. Now it matters. Mike McCarthy, playoff choke jobs. 
They go together like peanut butter and jelly. The only question will be whether or not Dallas chokes Monday or in the following week. I predict it'll be Monday. I like the Tampa Bay Bucks to win outright. I'm not even going to need the two and a half points. You know, by the way, here's a stat for you. Teams who enter the wild card round having lost the final week of the season by more than 14 points. They're 1-14. and 14. They cover those games 7% of the time. Dallas is coming off a loss of more than 14 points. Now McCarthy leads the Cowboys into Tampa Bay against the most clutch quarterback in NFL history. Now, you can throw out the records when the playoffs come. I get that. But in this case, it rings true. The Cowboys, the Cowboys, they're simply a far cry from the team that looked dominant earlier in the league, in the season, particularly in October and heading into November. Like I said, the bottom line, Dak Prescott is really good when it doesn't matter. 15, t- 15 uh, interceptions in only 12 games this year. How can you say that is good? And I already mentioned the defensive statistics. You know why? By the way, Vikings fans, I got your back. I really think you're going to beat the uh, visiting Giants Sunday. And again, I gave all the reasons there as well. So I look for New York and Tampa Bay to both advance. It's going to do it for the Bernie Frato Show, but keep it locked right here. Up next, the great Andy Furman on Fox Sports Radio. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. From BBC Radio 4, Britain's biggest paranormal podcast is going on a road trip. I thought in that moment, oh my God, we've summoned something from this board. This is uncanny usa he says somebody's in the house and i screamed listen to uncanny usa wherever you get your bbc podcasts if you dare xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month no matter what kind of entertainment you love addicted to true crime catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on a e crime central crave adventure explore asian action movies on hayah searching for something extreme check out skating snowboarding and more on fuel tv plus the global home of action sports and find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's hit nation playlist there's new free shows and movies to love every week say free this week in your xfinity voice remote 